is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open here. If you want to join the show, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Aria. Phones are open in case you want to bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, There's stuff to talk about tonight, including... A game that I guess is stirring up some controversy, uh, one that you tried last night, Aria, called Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, this Indeed. is in relation to the Harry Potter book series, of which I'm sure there are a myriad of, of video games. I, I have not paid attention uh, to that side of There are, and they've fandom. historically been terrible. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I've only ever played like one of them, but none of them have reviewed very well, and... The one that I played was really boring, really bland. I mean, it's not material that translates very well. There's never into really video been games. a lot of great movie games. I mean, there have been some, I believe. As I've, I mean, I've certainly not played them, but I've heard there's been a few good Batman games, for instance. But oh, the Batman games! Oh, I would yeah. highly recommend playing Arkham City. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Um, so there are certainly some, but it's like. Video games don't tend to make the trip over to the movie screen very well, and movies don't tend to make the trip to the video game screen very well for whatever reason over the last few decades that they've well, been doing them. In regard to video game movies, that is a video game that gets turned into a movie, mm-hmm. it's usually a way of transporting money from one country to another without paying the obscenely high taxes on it. Uh, there's been a number of videos of people exploring the subject, and it, it seems to check out as far as I can tell. Like, uh, most of them are made in Germany, I think is the place. And if you want, if you have, you know, $80 million in, in, in Germany and mm-hmm. you want to bring it to the United States, you want to repatriate that money, you're going to pay very high taxes. This is part of one of the issues in the United States is that the repatriation money thing, I don't know exactly how it all works, but... If you have money offshores and you bring it back to the United States, apparently that involves very high taxes. So the way they get around this is they make a movie in one of these countries and video game movies are guaranteed to sell because you've got that built-in fan base already. So you're you're pretty much going to break even and you're certainly going to, even if you lose money, you're not going to lose as much as you would if you just paid those taxes. So for $80 million, you spend that making the movie. You make $78 million or whatever, and you make those sales in the United States. So you repatriate the money with, without paying those huge repatriation taxes. And as far as I can tell, that's I, how most of these video game movies are created, and that's why they're created. Even if they are like total bombs, you're saying it's still worth doing? Yes, because they, they tend to break even. Like what Hollywood considers to be a bomb— mm-hmm. Is a movie that doesn't make you know ten billion dollars or some obscene amount of money, and this is true in video mm. games as well. I can't remember the video game exactly what game it was, but they considered it a failure because it only sold six million copies, and this is common in the video game world. Did in it turn a profit? It, it turned an enormous profit, mm-hmm. but making some money isn't good enough. Making a lot of money isn't mm. good enough. These people have to make all the money. Mm. Like 6 million mm. video game sales, that's an extraordinary number. Sounds pretty big to me. Yeah. yeah, but when they look at it, they're like, oh, we we should have sold 15 million mm. or whatever. But it So there, there's this huge disparity between what they actually do and what they think sh- they should do. And this is true of movies as well, where a, a movie that only makes $80 million, they consider it a failure because it didn't make you know, 800 million or insert whatever number. I don't know what 
numbers they usually make or how much they usually cost to make. However, there, there has been a lot of research into why video game movies are consistently terrible. And it, from what I can tell, that theory checks out, that it's a way of bringing money from overseas huh. back into the United States, repatriating it. I've never heard that there's a tax on having a bank account on like a, a bank transfer from your German bank to the U.S., there's not, a yeah, tax I, on that? I'm not sure how it works, but huh. I know that this is why a lot of these super rich people have money offshores, mm-hmm. and it's why they don't bring it back to the United States. And there was a thing during the Trump era or during the—in the in one of these presidential era, eras, they were talking about— temporarily having a moratorium on it and allowing people to repatriate money to, quote, stimulate the economy or whatever. Uh, so it is a thing. I don't know the details of it because yeah. I don't have, I, I don't live in that world of high finance, but it apparently is a thing. Huh. Yeah, I'm definitely the wrong person to ask when it comes to tax uh, tax laws. Let's go to the phones here. We got Tom on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Tom. Good Tom. evening. It's Valentine's Day today. It is. It and is. Happy Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Yeah, uh, to uh, notice the the ladies out there, uh, you know, when was the last time you went on a date and you paid the bills? See, because uh, the point is that tonight, women tonight. are still merchandise. Okay, in spite of all of the protesting and progress that's been what made. Did you just say women are merchandise? Women, well, from the first date when the gentleman pays the bills until the day that the father gives away the bride, uh, they don't usually sell brides anymore openly although some parents may be trying to steer their daughter to a financially secure gentleman, uh, they are still being treated as property. The transaction uh, here in New Hampshire, uh, you go down to the town hall with the document signed by the officiant, and uh, it get, you hand it to the same bureaucrat who handles motor vehicle transactions. Uh, in some states, it's at the county courthouse. You bring in the signed uh, marriage license, and in the same building where they do uh, real estate transfer records. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, women are still being treated as merchandise, and if they uh, insist on being treated like merchandise, then uh, that is. I'm not really clear on when you say women are being treated as merchandise. What exactly do you mean? I don't think you've been clear on that, Tom. Go ahead. When the man uh, takes the woman on the date, he's expected to pay for all the bills. That that's and- not. That's not true in my experience, and I've I've been on both sides of this, where I've had men take me out, and I've taken out women, mm-hmm. and I've had women take me out where they paid the bills. Uh, it's in my experience, it's not this. It certainly used to be that way, Tom, where the yeah. man always paid and he was expected to pay. But more often than not, the vast majority of dates I've been on. We each paid for our own What do they share. call it? Dutch or something like that? Isn't there a term for going out where each side pays for their own share? It's not a new idea, Tom. This has been around for you know some decades. So I don't know. Uh, I got to agree with Aria on this one. I think you're you know you're stuck in 1950 or something here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, Aria is stuck in. Uh some uh, alternate reality where he thinks that he's a woman, but uh, I don't know how common that is nowadays since I've been married for the last 26 years. I haven't gone on a date with anyone. All right, well, we're not going to be able to have a back and forth. I have to keep putting him on hold because there's some weird echo going on with his phone line, and it's going to be impossible to have an actual conversation. But thank you for the call tonight. Tell him to let him go for technical reasons. Tom, I went on a date like 
a week ago mm-hmm. and you haven't been on a date in, I think you said 26 years. <laughs> so like when it comes to whose dating experiences are most relevant, whether you accept that I'm trans or however you wish to characterize me, is, is it relevant to the fact that I certainly, I, I would suggest I probably have more dating experience than you, period, mm-hmm. but I certainly have more recent dating experience than you, period. For sure. And, this idea that you know, I mean, you're talking about dates at best from 26 years ago, and we're telling you that that's not the way things are now. In I, end of story. I think that it would probably be fair to say that the person who asks generally would be expected to be the one who pays, and I think that's probably still going to be the man more often than not. But I think it is fair to acknowledge that these things are shifting and and expectations are changing about this over time. And it's ultimately the agreement that the the couple comes to as far as who pays. Yeah, and it's one of those things that it's best to discuss it up front. Mm -hmm. I I much prefer to discuss it up front. Like before we even leave, I want to know. Because I, I don't want to have this discussion at the dinner table the, yeah. yeah, or at the line at the movie theater or whatever. It, the easiest way to handle this is usually for one of us to pay and the other one to just give the money at the end of the night. That's usually how I've done it. Well, actually, that's not usually how I've done it. I found that to be the easiest. Usually, the way I actually do it is we just buy our stuff separately or we split the bill there on the spot or insert whatever way of splitting sure. the bill. But it. I do tend to pay when I take out girls for whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you can call that misogyny if you would like. I but- wouldn't call it misogyny. It's just a. Tra- it's more of a tradition. You know, that's just sort of. You asked her out, right? She but didn't ask you out. That's exactly it. Right? I've had very few women ask me out on a date. Whereas- if, an, if a girl asked me out on a date, it would be weird for me to expect to then pay for that date. But I would still want right. to have that conversation. I would want to have that just to make sure it was clear. It would be very strange. You make a really good point. Like if a girl asks you out. Which has never happened to me in my my lifetime. No, it's very uncommon. (laughs) It would be extremely weird for her to be like, okay, well, you're paying for my dinner then, right? It's like, okay, at this point, why why don't you just say, hey, can you loan me 20 bucks or whatever? Hmm. Just cut out the middleman. If you don't have money for dinner, then don't ask someone out on a date. That that tends to be the way I I think dating should be. You know, If, if you ask someone out, you should be the one to pay because it's I don't on wanna... you unless you come up with some arrangement after that. Right, that I don't want to create an obligation for someone. Maybe they don't right. have the money, yeah. right? But I still want to spend time with them. If I want to spend time with them, and I want to do it in a way that costs money, it seems reasonable to me to pay for their share of it. Yep, agreed. Uh, the number here tonight is uh, 603-283-6160. That is the number where you can bring up whatever you want. It is Valentine's Day, and we are here live on uh, the radio. Coming up here, uh, well, let's talk further. So we did start the show with the Hogwarts thing. We might as well dig a little further. So there's this game that's come out. It's called Hogwarts Legacy. You said there's been a series of these Harry Potter games. They've been pretty bad uh, overall. You mentioned it off the air, I think, last night, and you said you were going to actually give the game a shot because you have yep. purchased the game simply because of the controversy, not per se because you really were that interested in playing it. That's the impression I got from you. Are you a huge Harry Potter fan or like where's your level of interest in that whole, what do you call it, uh, series, I guess? I liked Harry Potter as I grew up. You know, I was the generation that Harry Potter was effectively written for. You know, So you've I, read some of the books? I've read all the books. All of them, okay. I grew up with Harry Potter and there were, 
She I've began, read none of them. She began sort of slacking off because to me, it takes a long time to write a book. But the mm-hmm. idea was that, you know, when Harry Potter was entering his first year of Hogwarts and was 10 years old or however old he was, I think I was about 10 years old at the time. I don't remember now, but the age gap wasn't terribly far off. And then, you know, when he was entering his fourth year and he was 15 or whatever, mm-hmm. I was about 15 years old. There was that huge right. gap there where I was a teenager and Harry Potter was slowly transitioning from kids' books to young adult books because mm-hmm. they did that. and it, But it wasn't cool. It's like the Pokemon games or insert whatever. If it's cool when you're 10 years old, it's probably not going to be cool to you when you're 15. 15 or 16 years yeah. old. So there is that gap there. But Harry Potter did mature, and it did transition into being about young adults or being directed toward young adults. And it was... They were really good. They weren't the best things ever written, but they were creative and they were thought provoking and they were they they were decent reads. Mm-hmm. It, it was a creative world that I could lose myself in and I loved that aspect of it. I've always loved fantasy in particular, any sort like Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, um, even Magic the Gathering has some books and RPGs in general, anything with wizards and dragons and stuff. It's always been my favorite genre. And Harry Potter has all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a unique it's a it's unique in how it takes the real world and puts it alongside this magical world. Do they have dragons in Harry Potter. There are dragons okay. in Harry Potter. I've seen the movies only once. You know, I, I don't have a, a big recollection of them. I enjoyed them. I thought they were yeah. entertaining. They, they were faithful adaptations. The books are certainly better. Mm-hmm. That, that's not true in all cases. I have not seen the ones that weren't the Harry Potter ones. I know there's been another series of uh, mystical animals or something like that. I Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Yes. Ah, that's kind of that's kind of sad. Uh, well, not sad, but that's kind of regrettable because mm-hmm. the I've only seen one of them, but it was really good. The Crimes of Grindelwald okay. was the Fantastic Beast that I've seen, and I would like to see the others. I just haven't because I'm not a big fan. Of J.K. Rowling. Now, why is that? It's because she is a TERF. She is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And the definition of a TERF is a feminist, correct me if I'm wrong on this, someone who calls himself a feminist but excludes trans people, saying that, well, you're not really women, so therefore feminism or whatever doesn't attach to you, essentially. Is that kind of what it is? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, She goes a bit beyond that. I mean, like... I I would agree in so many ways that as a trans woman, I don't have to fight the struggles that most women have had to fight. And struggles are different. They are different. And I do, through a lot of my life, I have had male privilege or whatever they would characterize it as, whatever one would call it as. It's certainly easier in many ways to be a man in the world than it is to be a woman in the world. And it's true that as a trans person, I have been infinite from that disparity you can right? probably do more pull-ups than the average woman that's true yeah. i certainly i have testosterone so i'm <laughs> you know going to be faster than the average woman yeah. and just more physically fit in general mm-hmm. than the average woman so the and i recognize this reality and a lot of trans people don't recognize that reality but i understand where one is coming from the struggles of the feminist are not the same as the struggles of the trans woman mm-hmm. and they're and it's important to recognize that because it's it's not fair to treat like the abortion issue. It's not fair to pretend as a trans woman like the abortion issue impacts me the way that it does a cis woman. 
it doesn't impact me any more than it does a genetic male or so, a biological male, whatever one would say, a dude. Given that you're acknowledging these differences, what is so offensive about uh, the author, J.K. Rowling, as far as her being a turf? It seems like that's not a particularly unfair position for them to say, hey, look, we're different. I don't know. To be honest. I mean, I've never read any of her statements right. about it, so I don't know you know, how offensive they are or whatever. I'm going mostly off of hearsay. I don't uh, know okay. what Rowling has said about trans people. From what I've heard, uh, many from people who I trust generally on the matter, she is not a fan of trans people. She is, mm. she is degrading to an extent toward trans people, and she treats... She would treat trans people as slightly lesser to whatever degree, like maybe 1% lesser than your average person. But she seems to look down to some extent on trans people. Okay. And I don't or know. Or so you've heard. Yes. And I tend to trust these people's judgment. Okay. But there, there is, it, she's not a Nazi, right? She's mm-hmm. not out there saying we have to put trans people to death or whatever. She's not doing any of these things that some... Mm, crazy people on the left to accuse her of doing but she is a trans exclusionary radical feminist she is a turf and she is i don't like the word transphobic because i don't think she fears trans people but she is anti-trans to some degree from what i've heard and i tend to rely on those assessments of her i don't care enough about her opinions to look into what she has said but because of all of this i try to avoid giving her money you know, just basic market principle of, you know, voting with your wallet. Mm-hmm. I don't boycott her products. I don't boycott the Harry Potter series. But when given the choice, I choose not to give her money. Just like I'm not boycotting Chick-fil-A, which gives money to, you know, gay conversion therapy uh, camps and stuff like that. They, they're they anti-gay, sort of, to some extent. But I don't oh, man, bo- that chicken's good. Maybe, but... <laughs> It's it's a hate chicken, right? That, that, that's the chicken. way I view it. And I don't want to buy it. I, gotcha. I, I don't have any objection to people out there buying it because I don't think it matters. That 0.001% of your money that you spend at Chick-fil-A going to this gay camp is not going to, or this anti-gay camp, it's not going to make a difference in mm-hmm. in the over, in the grand scheme one way or the other. You're not going to bankrupt Chick-fil-A they're not going out of business. No, Too many no. people like them. and No, remember there was that protest about Chick-fil-A like, I don't know, 15 years ago, and there ended up being a boycott that happened. So there was a boycott because, you know, some gay people were offended. Right. Uh, and so th- there was this big boycott, but then this big boycott happened and there was literally lines like wrapping around the block, people trying to go in and buy Chick-fil-A from the conservative side. So it actually ended up having the rever- the, bo- the boycott had a reverse effect because the opposite actually ended up happening. I'm not surprised to hear that. Something similar happened to Disney, if I remember right, when the Christians tried to boycott it because it's pro-LGBTQ mm. This when I was a kid. So I don't remember all the specifics. Yeah. But I'm not convinced that boycotting and that, you know, I was boycotting Blizzard for the last several years. The video game company. Yes. And a lot of people continue to boycott Blizzard because... For what? For supporting China? Uh, they support China. They are also antagonistic of free speech. Like they, mm-hmm. they penalize one of their streamers and in, in one of their officially ordained Blizzard competitions or whatever because he said free Hong Kong right. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they were doing China's bidding in that right. case. And 
they, they're notorious. The company Blizzard has a huge problem with sexism, and it seems to start at the top with Bobby Kotick, I think is his name. Didn't Microsoft just buy Activision Blizzard? They're working on it, oh, but okay. it, it's getting blocked by the government, and it's, it's you know, the government. Wow. And, and it's unclear if it's going to actually proceed or not, but Blizzard, as a company, has done some really shady stuff. They tend to be sexist, and they... And there's just not a good company that I want to support. I want to bring David on the line here. He's in Georgia. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, so the Harry Potter, um, it was just a little bit uh, before me. Like, I was a couple of years younger than the Harry Potter books. But I must say that I did enjoy them. But Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would want my kids reading the later ones, uh, not until they're older, because they get really violent in the later ones. Do they? Um, yeah, like, oh, god. No, like, well, give us an example if you can recall. Like, um, in the seventh book, for example, they are captured, and this crazy, demented woman, uh, Bellatrix Lestrange, literally carves the word, uh, the word, like the the slur, into this girl's arm with a knife. It's like that's really freaking, you know. Well, this this sounds like it would be the teen series. You know, they're no longer the kids' books, as Aria That's was correct. describing earlier. You've gone into young adult fiction, and certainly in the category of young adult fiction, you're going to have some violence. I mean, that's that's going to be part of it. When you say you wouldn't let your kids read it, do you mean you wouldn't let your children read it, as in they're still children, or you wouldn't let your teens uh, read it? Uh, children, like okay. eight, nine years old, um, because... Once you once you get to you know thirteen fourteen years old, you can generally make the decisions for yourself. But uh, those books got pretty pretty violent there at the end. The the first ones were not bad, not too bad, but those last ones were a little bit meh. Yeah, that's interesting. That that's a problem I've never really given any thought to because you're right. Uh, the last few books they they are young adult. They they do have some pretty grotesque scenes. A lot of people are killing one another. There's there's torture scenes to an extent, and it doesn't go into graphic detail, but there are people being tortured. I wonder how people are handling this, where like a 10-year-old reads you know, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is the first book, and it's fine, and it's kid-friendly, it's kid-safe, but they continue reading, and the next thing you know, they're reading the final book, but they're still 10 or 11 years old. I don't know. It's up to the parents to decide. Dip, thanks for the call tonight, man. I appreciate hearing from you. we got more coming up. The number 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com.
It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here and bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Aria in the studio tonight. And uh, I want to say thank you to Gnostic Wretch. Gnostic Wretch, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program, Silver Level, which is 5 bucks a month. That's all we ask for over at amps.freetalklive.com. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way for you to uh, back us up to help us uh, support this mission of spreading the ideas of liberty, peace, cryptocurrency, freedom, the things that we talk about here on a regular seven-night-per-week basis. If you like the work that we do, then please join AMPS. Uh, over at amps.freetalklive.com, as Gnostic Wretch has done. You can do that, amps.freetalklive.com. It'll take you right over to our Patreon. You to get some perks, like access to the Amp Only podcast, which has the full radio show without any recorded commercials. Uh, so we appreciate the support, and you get, some uh, again, some benefits over at amps.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones here. Andrew is on the line calling us from Manchester, New Hampshire. Andrew, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I just wanted to call in on uh, this Valentine's Day Eve or whatever it is that... Um, Eve would be yesterday. Today is. is Valentine's Day. Oh, today is Valentine's Day. Yes, Indeed. on the dot. Is that, um, uh, to my in my opinion, the high point of civilization is Amsterdam. And, um, you know, you've got your legal shroom stores, you've got your legal weed, you've got your legal prostitution. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an amazing city to walk around in, and the only thing it's missing is people open carrying. And mm. I think you're never going to get the open carry in Amsterdam, but we can make the rest of that stuff happen in New Hampshire. So that's that's my dream for the state. I love that. That's that's yep. fantastic. I mean, we already have decriminalized weed. We already have open carry and concealed carry without a government permit here in New Hampshire, unless you're a felon or something like Ari and I. Uh, but uh, pretty much everybody else can. And well, so, technically, I'm not a felon yet. I guess not. I mean, I'm a convict, so technically <laughs> I'm convicted. I think I am a, even though I haven't been sentenced, I believe I am a uh, felon. And you've taken a plea. I pled guilty, but it's not official mm-hmm. until the I sentencing? sentenced. Uh, the, the judge has not accepted the plea. I see. Well, the bail conditions still pre- prohibit you from having a gun, so you're effectively, yes. you're on the outs on that one. But uh, prostitution, unfortunately, there's been no movement on that here in New Hampshire. There have been a few bills over the years, in the last several years, that have not been terribly received. I remember there was one, maybe four or five years ago, uh, put up by a free stater Democrat who was elected as a Democrat uh, in New Hampshire, and I think it got like 150 votes in the in the state house. So, like, not bad for the kind of the first run at doing some decrim of prostitution. I, I would say it's it's doable here. It just needs to it needs to be focused on more. It doesn't come back often enough. It should be hitting every two years, and it's not. Definitely, and shrooms too. You know, we uh, every state you know is making some progress on weed, but the next frontier is uh, psychedelics which are honestly a lot more important you know if you're not just interested into getting getting a little bit of pleasure but exploring uh your consciousness well i hope you're following uh and supporting the bills that are in this year are you aware that there is a bill to uh to completely decriminalize psilocybin and also i think lsd mescaline uh, and one other thing that's escaping me at the moment. I'm curious how they're characterizing psychedelics. Uh, they actually use the word hallucinogen, which is kind of more of an offensive 
uh, kind of word, I think, than than psychedelics. But the word hallucinogen is used in the statutes. Okay. So they're basically trying to decriminalize the hallucinogen aspect of the law. Are you aware of these things, Andrew? No, no, I'm, I'm just hearing about them now. And um, yeah, that's, that would be progress over Amsterdam because they've got, you can get the, the shrooms in the head shops, but they don't have any LSD for sale. So uh, that's, that, you know, you've always got to have competition. That's their competition. Um, I don't have the bill number handy at the moment, but if you're familiar with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, uh, you should probably get connected with them. They've got a really handy system called GenCorp Mobile. It's a website that they put together that allows you to uh, identify what the bills are that are out there that you're interested in. It allows you to follow each of the bills every year that, that you want to follow, so you'll get updates as the bill kind of goes through the process, you'll get like an email that'll let you know, okay, uh, there's been a vote on this bill, or there's a vote coming up, or there's a hearing coming up. That kind of thing kind of keeps you in the loop with what's going on. I don't know if that bill has been voted on yet, but it did already have its public hearing. So uh, you don't have a chance to speak publicly about it, but you may still be able to send an email to the state reps there. So check out the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. If you haven't joined that organization yet, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I want to just give a shout out in general to New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. They do phenomenal work there. I mean, there's no better pro-liberty political organization in the state, if not in the whole country. New Hampshire does a lot of amazing things for liberty. It's got a lot of amazing activists who work very, very hard. But it's nothing beats the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance and the work that they do. They they kind of they have someone reading all of the bills put forward in New Hampshire and they rate them. Yep. On how they on whether or not they're good or bad for liberty, and they they look at all the representatives and they rank them according to whether or not they're good for liberty or bad for liberty, and it's it's an amazing amount of work and dedication, and just I I cannot praise those guys enough for the hard work they do. Thanks, Andrew, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. That's uh, nhliberty.org, and it's an organization that. Uh, people outside of New Hampshire can support. So if you're out there and you're hearing about all the cool stuff happening here in New Hampshire and you can't physically get here yet, maybe it's you know, 10 years away or five years or something before you can move here, or maybe you feel like you're stuck wherever you are, but you still want to support what's going on here, that's a great activist uh, group to support, whether it's just giving some money to or if you've got some volunteer time you want to give to. If you like reading bills, for instance, uh, you, they... It's tough to get enough volunteers to read all 1,000 or 900 or however many bills. There's usually somewhere between 800 and 1,000 bills every single year. And they get most of them, but I don't think they ever get to all of them. So if you are able to help with that, if that's what kind of like turns you on, like the idea of reading bills, (laughs) it's a real slim group of people that find that to be interesting. But Bonnie's done several so far this year. Um, No one can get close to Zephan. He's got over 300 bills under his belt uh, so far this year. And the second place guy's like 100 something, which is still pretty awesome, but, you know, not even close. And it's not as bad as it sounds, right? Like, I know if you've, I, I attempted to read the FEMA Act at one point because I wanted to know how bad it really is. And the, the bill itself is monumentally difficult to read. It, but the bills in New Hampshire are not that bad from what I've seen. I'm they sure, have to basically be one subject. Yeah. You can't be going crazy. Well, and they, they're not written the way that federal legislation tends to be written, mm-hmm. where it's just references to other statutes and regulations and it's, 40,000 pages long of legalese that's impossible to wrap your mind around. The ones I've seen in New Hampshire, 
they're not written in ordinary daily English, but they're not incomprehensible either. It's not like reading a bill is if you were to read a federal piece of legislation. Yeah, a fair amount of them are one page or less, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Un- unscreen caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hello? Hi, you're on the air. What's your name? Hi, my name's um, Alexis. Hi, and Alexis. I have been having a chronically online day, and I happen to see that um, Aria said something about Zelensky being a Nazi, and I just... I, I might be an unfo- I'm pretty uninformed, but I wanted to know what that's about. I don't believe I said that Zelensky is a Nazi. Uh, you're referring to a tweet that I posted yeah. earlier, and let me let me find it because I don't remember exactly what I said, and I want I don't want to say that I said that Zelensky that I did not say Zelensky is a Nazi. Well, maybe it had something to do sure. with the uh, the people that are yeah. the Ukrainian military. Don't, don't let me twist your yeah. Don't let me right. twist you your words. I'm not. I the question. <laughs> so I was referring to Harry Potter, and what what in the tweet is essentially about Harry Potter. I said, let those without sin cast the first Expelliarmus. Expelliarmus is a spell in Harry Potter, and it's a play on the on the saying, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then I went on, I'm playing Hogwarts Legacy. You're supporting Zelensky. One of us is supporting Nazis, but it isn't me. And you're right, and I I should have worded that better because it does support, it does suggest that Zelensky is a Nazi. Uh, So supporting... I might have misread it. But, but yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. I should yeah. have I should have worded that better. Uh, I tried. Well, you to pre- said he was supporting Nazis, didn't you? I said you're supporting Zelensky. One of us is supporting Nazis, but it isn't me. If you are supporting Zelensky, and you are by proxy supporting Nazis because there have yes. been there's been proof positive that there are there's like a whole division. And I'm sorry, I forget the name of the mm-hmm. division in the Ukrainian military. The Azov Battalion. Azov, that's it. That is made up of Nazis. Right. There is. But that's badly worded. You're right. I shouldn't have worded it that way because it does I, suggest I, I, that Zelensky himself. You. Sorry. I, wasn't I, I just want to be clear. Legitimately a question. Yeah. Right. I just want to be like, clear oh, that. Hear, I've never heard that. <laughs> right. I just want to be clear that well, Zelensky does mm-hmm. not seem to be a Nazi. There's no mm-hmm. reason to believe that Zelensky is a Nazi. And I did not mean. To suggest that Zelensky is a Nazi. But we don't know. I mean, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But we do know that there are Nazis that are are in the Ukrainian military. Isn't there a saying, like, if there's one Nazi at a table and everybody else is at the table, then you have ten Nazis? I've never heard that's that particular that's, saying. That's, that's I don't a, know. Yeah, I, I've been hearing that a little a, bit It's a ridiculous like, saying. I mean, I've had dinner with Chris Cantwell, but that doesn't make me a Nazi. <laughs> No, I think I think it's the the analogy or whatever. It's supposed to be like, oh, if you associate, yeah, if you basically that whole thing, like, oh, by aso- guilty by association. Well, that's ridiculous. I'm just going to throw that right out there. I mean, I don't, I don't have an opinion on that. I just heard, I hear that in association with Nazis all the time. The, like, the fact is, and- when the U.S. government gives Zelensky <clears throat> billions, and now it's over 110 billion dollars. And that doesn't include the equipment that he's mm-hmm. being sent, like the German tanks and the bombs and the you know missiles or whatever. $110 billion, you know that money is going to the Azov Battalion and is going to the hands of actual Nazis. So supporting Zelensky is, by proxy, supporting Nazis directly with money. And God knows it's, how much of it. I hope I don't sound again uninformed, but it sounds, the way you, what you're describing to me sounds like a repeat of history. Like... Uh, the U.S. gives a bunch of money to a foreign militant, 
under the guise of some war, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the exact same thing happened with um, Bin Laden, right? Sure, yeah. Sure, and it's just so. a matter of time before the United States and Ukraine are at one with, war with one another. That's the way this has always played out, mm-hmm. right? The United States mm-hmm. helped Afghanistan and Bin Laden specifically. Bin Laden was, of course, trained by the CIA. The United States helped Afghanistan and Al-Qaeda against the Soviet Union in the 80s. Fast forward 20 years and the United States was fighting Afghanistan instead of Russia or the Soviet Union. And we're going to see the same thing here in Ukraine, where right now the United States government is helping Zelensky fight against Russia. 20 years from now, the United States will be fighting against Ukraine and Zelensky, this very same people that the United States is supporting right now. And in general, the same weapons that the United States is sending Ukraine will be used against the United States in 20-ish years because that's the way this this works. Alexa, yep. anything else you want to comment on? Nope. Uh, that was all. Thank you. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Let's talk to Ricky in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Good evening there, Sister Aria. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, judging by recent events, we had another shooting happen in Michigan today, so gun control is on my mind and especially gun control here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Well, first off, I'm going to say things have changed a lot since I was a kid. Somewhere between the time I was a kid and an adult, things changed, and I gave it some thought. Now, I've had this discussion many times with uh, politicians and other people. It comes down to this. Now, I can speak for the Commonwealth. I can't say this for California or somebody else. In our case, If you look at our first two constitutions, it read very simply put, the people have a right to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state. Now, something very interesting happened in the third one, and this is where my point starts to be raised. Pennsylvania has multiple constitutions? Five. Okay. Last one was in 68. Did they replace one another? There's only been 11 amendments since 1909. Okay, but... So, like, instead of amending the Constitution, they just create a new one? Is that what's going on? No, but that, that's how they do it there, Miss Ari. This is besides the point. You have a version that was written this year. You have a version that was written that year. They just add what they need to. You're saying the latest version of the Philadelphia or the, the Pennsylvania Constitution is 1968? Correct. That was the last time it was changed. But, but it's just an amendment. You're saying, you're saying they copy the Constitution and they add something to it? Right, right. Okay. I, it, it, it involves something to do with civil rights, I believe. Okay, so what is the gun aspect of it now? Okay. Now, in the third constitution, people started questioning it, so we had the advent of that. So they added something to Section 21. The people have a right to bear arms in defense of themselves, in themselves and the state. This shall not be questioned. Mm-hmm. Here's my conclusion. When it comes to Pennsylvania, and it could be different wherever you live, but exclusively to us, it's brutal. And uh, my conclusion is everybody has a right to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. And that includes anything from crazy people to felons to uh, youths, for that matter. Because when I was a kid, things were different. Here's what changed in Pennsylvania. The same problem to an extent everybody got. When I was a kid, it wasn't there. But by the time I got to adult, it was there. It was the FFL. Oh, and what I, ends up happening, and here the are the FFL? things that happened to us. 
federal firearms license. Okay. Now, what ended up happening is we got flushed right down the crapper. Examples. Our Section 8 reads, the people have a right, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the people shall be secure in their paper and, and things. Okay, fine. Well, there's a problem with this. You have the ATF form as an example and background checks. Well, the ATF form is interesting because in Pennsylvania, you don't have to, you're not required to register a gun. And also, law enforcement's not allowed to keep a registry. Okay. But the gun shop has a computer and a book copy, plus they put it on the ATF form. Now the FBI got it. And it gets worse than that because now there's age distinctions. When I was a kid, if you wanted the gun, anything from a hand. So you would describe yourself as a pro gun Democrat? I'm an extremist. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, when I was okay, a kid. Okay, but are you, you a pro gun Democrat? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm an old school Democrat. Okay. You know, when I was a kid, you wanted a gun. You know, you got permission from your parents and you got a gun. You could get either a rifle or, for that matter, a handgun. So then would you agree you know? then, Ricky, that the recent shooting in Michigan, which for listeners that aren't familiar, there was uh, news, I don't know if it was yesterday or Sunday night or something, but uh, there was a shooting, uh, multiple people were shot on a Michigan college campus. So then you would agree that the odds that that uh, death toll or the shooting would be so uh, would be as bad would be lower if uh, guns were allowed on campus, right? Because these are essentially gun-free zones, and everybody's disarmed. So when a psychopath shows up with a gun, it's like uh, shooting fish in a barrel. Well, I can give you a good example right here in PA. I mean, I, I will admit, I pretty much admitted defeat on this because the FFL ain't going to go away, you know. But that aside, you know, an example is, uh, there's two examples I can think of. A mile from where I used to live, there was this guy, Rockney Newell. You know, he didn't pay his taxes for three years, so they took away Newell land, you know? So he decided to go down to township and start shooting through the windows. He had a rifle first, blew away three towns, uh, township members, and oh, then wow. he went and grabbed a 357 out of his uh, trunk. And it was, it was an interesting thing. Somebody actually put themselves in front of him. They got blown away. By the 357. Now, I don't even know what happened to him. So he was shooting city councilors, basically? Huh? He was shooting at, like, the city council? Yeah, he was trying to get the tax lady, and she happened not to be in that day. Wow. You know, and then there was another In addition to utilizing violence as a way of achieving his goals, which is deplorable and evil and... It happens, you know? It does happen. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's good. So in addition to that, he, he kills... Or shoots and injures multiple unrelated people who weren't even involved in what made him so angry. And he didn't even get the person who was responsible. Right. And then there was another famous incident that uh, there was a guy by the name of Eric Frayne who actually uh, ended up running right across my area. He blew away a state cop because uh, of uh, he blamed it for killing his brother. But the point I'm making here is in Pennsylvania, Philly got a lot of problems, but relatively there's not a whole lot of problems in comparison to other places. I think it depends on your demographic. And I know I'm losing this one. I'm never going to win. The FFL is not going to go away. Oh, it will when the federal government crumbles. You'll go away. Well, that's that's something else that I have in mind for another night, Ian. All right. Well, you we'll know? talk to you then. Thank you, Ricky, for the call. The number here is 603-283-6160. Let's go to Ridley on the line, calling us from, I think, Colorado still. Dave Ridley from Ridley Report. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, 
Well, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but last year, I think, uh, New Hampshire came within an ace of passing a ban on plastic bags. So you said New Hampshire came something, New Hampshire was trying to tax plastic bags? A ban them, I think he said. Well, it, it was. It wasn't quite a. Ta- it was more. It wasn't a ban so much as like a restrictions on plastic bags. Does that make sense? And you said it came within a what of doing it? Uh, within an eighth. Okay, like meaning an eighth of the state house. An eighth. It, it passed the state house, but it wasn't. It was no never. Way. I don't think it got. Yeah, it didn't get through the the Senate. Apparently, that seems unbelievable. I mean, it was a Republican state house. The odds that they would be supporting yeah. a ban on plastic bags would shock me if that were true. Well, again, it wasn't quite quite a ban. It would have been more like a, a restriction or taxes on bags or whatever. But anyway, they they passed one in Colorado that went into effect just about mm-hmm. a month ago. And even I thought, well, this is bad, but, you know, it's probably not going to be, uh, it probably won't make that much difference. But no, no, it made it, it made, it took the fun out of shopping in a way that I never expected. So what happened is like Walmart, the, the Walmart here stopped, they wouldn't, um, they won't bag anything for you anymore. You have to bag what? it yourself. And, um, Meaning you have to bring your own you, bags? Or do they pr- you have to bring them? your own bags? You have, yeah, and you have to bag it yourself. And mm-hmm. uh, if you don't, if you if you want to, they, they the Walmart just stopped offering plastic bags. Now you have to you have to like buy a seventy five cent one of those awful cloth bags that doesn't even work um, for each like uh, seventy five cents per bag. Um, <clears throat> there was another place I went, uh, King Supers, where they. Uh, they didn't even have any. They didn't even have any people manning their uh, uh, manning their bag line. Their 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 cashiers were not. None of their cashiers were working. It was just automated, uh, and you had to use the plastic bags. So I just I, I thought, oh, okay, so these must be exempt or something because there's no there's no notice here that these plastic bags cost anything. So I guess I'll just go ahead and do my own groceries you know, do it all manually and put it, put it in the plastic bags. Then they told me, no, we're going to charge you for the plastic bags. So I said, okay, I'm taking everything out of these plastic bags and, and I can, I'll just hand you these plastic bags back because I'm not paying a tax on plastic bags mm-hmm. <laughs> that goes, all goes to the government. Um, so it's just, they take they, all the fun. The government has taken all the fun out of shopping and mm. it started with the, the masks and um, wow. it's just, now you have now you have to plot a strategy before you go into the store. Uh, I, I've been taking boxes in, but it's that's a mess too because they take up they don't fit right in the in the, uh, the grocery cart, and it's just it's just awful. So we got to make sure this doesn't this doesn't come to me. Where answer. did you hear that this pass or that this failed by an eighth? Um, I don't remember. I just googled it and looked okay. at the news. You may have had go, gotten some bad information. Uh, it it was in a committee, so you're referring to what was called uh, HB 1119 relative to the regulation of single-use bags. This was heard last year. But they're not single-use. Any Every plastic bag that I've ever used could be multiple-use. Sure, but that's how they're referring to them or whatever. That's This is the billing question. And I understand that, but the whole reason for this nonsense about plastic bags is, you know, protecting the planet and, mm-hmm. you know, may, not littering and wasting a bunch of stuff. But, like, they're all reusable. Sure. Once you get them home, you, I use them to line trash cans or whatever. Uh, but anyway, my point here is it did have a close vote in the committee. 
It did come out of committee as what they call inexpedient to legislate. It was a 10 to 9 vote in the committee. But when it came down to the actual vote in the state house, uh, it looks like it did get its own independent vote. It was 300 to 35. So, I mean, this thing got blown away. It had no chance of passing here, Dave. So that's the good news for you. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. I didn't think that would have a chance in New Hampshire. Thank you for the call tonight, man. I appreciate it. Uh, there's more coming up here. Hour number two is on the way. we got time for you if you want to join the show. We still haven't even talked about this Hogwarts thing. We, we need to dig into that. Coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. You can join us uh, at 603-283-6160. Large amount of uh, participation here tonight. And phones are open for you. With you in the studio, it's Ian. And Aria. We are going to continue with your calls and thoughts. And then we'll talk a little bit about the whatever this controversy is surrounding the latest Harry Potter uh, world video game. I don't even know if Harry Potter's in this game. It's but not. it's one he of those... Not. From that universe, I guess you could say. And so there's controversy. It has to do with trans people, and you happen to be trans, Arya, so you're going to comment on it. Uh, But first, we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. we got Crichton on the line in Kentucky. Crichton, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Good evening. Uh, I wanted to call in and talk about the Azal Battalion, but before I mention that, I wanted to mention to Arya that um, I can see it on your face, because I get many migraines as well, that you're suffering. And in my experience, is the best solution, the immediate solution, is a combination of caffeine and aspirin. Um, I mean, that's sort of the so, issue. Um, I'm giving up caffeine these days. Mm. To, I, I've cut back on caffeine a lot. Right? How much? From how much to what? <sighs> Probably 600 milligrams a day to... That's a lot, right? Yeah. Okay. A cup of coffee is like, what, 150 or 120 or something like that? Yes. And a, a can of monster typically contains between 150 and 200 milligrams of caffeine, depending okay. on... You That's know, what, like a 16-ounce can or something? Yeah. Okay. And I would well, tend to don't... drink between two and three monsters a day. I've cut monsters out of my diet entirely. Wow. Okay. Because, I mean, they're very high in sugar, and I want to lose some weight. There, right? And cutting out the monsters, and I'm already having trouble sleeping, so cutting out monsters is the best way to do it. Okay. So I've... Well, you don't need that much caffeine. No, uh, I've, I've cut... Yeah, I've cut my caffeine intake down considerably mm-hmm. to probably, you know, 10% of what it was to where now I'm just, instead of having a monster, I'm having a cup of coffee. And I okay. don't like coffee. And it's well, not as effective. I also cut out the kratom and my body's still dealing with that because mm-hmm. kratom it gives me energy, right? And I've cut that out because I, you know, it's just time to take a break from it. Okay. Well, okay. just a little bit of caffeine helps the... the- Blood vessels in the brain constrict, so it helps prevent that. But yeah, you have to do you. I'm not sure of that. But I wanted to comment about the Azov Battalion and how it's they're called Nazi, but they are not called Nazi in the context that Americans would really understand um, from the Russian perspective. That they're being called Nazi from the Russian perspective because. That's the way the Azov Battalion wants to present themselves to the Russian people, to the Russian government. From the Russian perspective of what they call the Great Patriotic War, we call the Second World War, the Nazis from Germany were 
were uh, ethnically anti-Russian, anti-Rus, the actual ethnicity of most of the Russians in Russia. Uh, and that's from that perspective that they that the Azov Battalion in particular is Nazi, and why they take those Nazi symbols to intimidate Russia in particular mm-hmm. from from a uh, ethnic cleansing perspective. But the flip side of 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 a of um, Zelensky, who is Jewish, uh, commanding the Azov Battalion, a Nazi battalion. Uh, is that he's in a, a strange position that he might actually not be able to not engage in this war with the Azov Battalion until the Azov Battalion itself is destroyed. Because otherwise, if they're still a functioning military, they might turn around on him. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, he has no – he seems to have nothing but – I don't want to use the word respect, but he seems to like – the Azov Battalion doesn't seem to have any real issue with them. He set a number of them out, out of prison so that they could rejoin the army. He's effectively rebuilt hmm. the Azov Battalion and allowed some of his members, some of whom were literal child rapists, to be freed from prison and put back into the military. And now the Wagner uh, militia group from Russia is destroying them. So it really kind of depends on what how you you view the perspective of why he would do such a thing. Are you suggesting that Zelensky did this so that the Russians could execute them? I'm not saying that that's necessarily how it ever will be looked at in history. I'm saying that's the effect. Okay. I I guess. Interesting theory. Uh, Crichton, anything else you want to share? Thanks Thank for you. the call, man. Appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. Most of the mainstream media seems to be completely ignoring the Azov Battalion, right? Like They don't want to talk that about I blame them. them. Yeah. It's a difficult issue for people who are so pro-Ukraine, right? And the media is pro-Ukraine. Most of the United States is pro-Ukraine. we got to support Zelensky and freedom and democracy and never mind the fact that they're shredding democracy and they're shredding freedom oh, yeah. of speech and freedom of the press. And, In Ukraine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so never good. mind all of that, you know, freedom. And when you say they, you mean the people in power, not just the Azov Battalion. That's right. just a regiment or whatever of the, the military. They, Zelensky and the Congress over there, the parliament or whatever they are. Well, until they're dissolved, they're it's the ones, just Zelensky. They're the ones that are destroying the uh, the whatever f- shreds of freedoms that they had there. They're the ones who passed the the recent uh, legislation that allows their equivalent of the FCC to regulate the internet, and they banned uh, the opposition political parties and things like that. So this is not has nothing to do with freedom. And anyone that thinks that this is anything about freedom for for Ukraine is just completely mistaken. No, and that's one of the uh, to me that's one of the signs that you're dealing with an out of control tyrannical government is when they ban the opposition political parties when they're like you know what. Imagine the Republicans being in power and saying, you know what, uh, let's let's ban the Democratic Party. No more Democrats. You can't be a Democrat anymore. That, that yep. That's the sign that you're dealing with a dictatorship. It's tyranny. Yes. For sure. Uh, all right. So to go back to J.K. Rowling and the controversy that I guess has bubbled up over the last, I don't know what, most of the last decade now over yeah. her being, quote unquote, a turf, as you described it now. 
Arya, you did say you were kind of going on what other people had said. You had not actually researched it directly. I have not. Um, and, to, and to be fair, I have not had a chance to dig through this, but J.K. Rowling does have a lengthy blog post where she kind of explains in her own words, you know, what has happened, how, what led to what and so on, you know, the different steps along this uh, this path. And I seem to recall her admitting or acknowledging or at least agreeing that she is a turf. And I, I, I recall that firsthand experience, and I don't remember if I read it in a tweet. I mean, and, of course, it could have been a doctored tweet. It could have been you know, a, a fake screenshot. Yeah, if there's ever a screenshot, you never know if it's real. Right. You have to actually see the original to know for sure. Um, basically, what she says here, and again, not through the whole, the whole piece yet, but apparently at some point she, she liked something on Twitter. She says here that uh, what happened was she did an accidental like. She said she had been taking an interest in gender identity and transgender matters and began screenshotting comments that interested her as a way of reminding herself what she might want to research later. On one occasion, I absentmindedly liked instead of screenshotting. That single like was deemed evidence of wrong think and a persistent low level of harassment began. Months later, I compounded my accidental light crime by following Magdalene Burns on Twitter. Magdalene was an immensely brave young feminist and lesbian who was dying of an aggressive brain tumor. I followed her because I wanted to contact her directly, which I succeeded in doing. However, as Magdalene was a great believer in the importance of biological sex and didn't believe lesbians should be called bigots for not dating trans women with penises, dots were joined in the heads of Twitter trans activists and the level of social media abuse increased. And I mean, I, I agree with this. Uh, so far, I haven't heard anything in and of itself that's objectionable. Right. Uh, lesbians who don't want to date trans women are not bigots. Uh, they, they're just expressing their preferences, and it's okay to have preferences. Everybody's got them. Yeah. There's nothing at all wrong with that. She says, what I didn't expect in the aftermath of my cancellation was the avalanche of emails and letters that came showering down upon me. The overwhelming majority of which were positive, grateful, and supportive. Yeah, came- she was not canceled. She's J.K. Rowling. You you can't can't. And even if she was canceled, she's. I I, I want to say she's a billionaire, but I don't think that's true. But she's got enough she's money. She's very where successful. It sure. just it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, she points out in the pr- previous paragraph that I had skipped that uh, she was told she was literally killing trans people with her hate. Uh, she was called words we can't say on the air. And, of course, for her books to be burned, although one particularly abusive man told me he'd composted them. So, I mean, this, I guess, is what she considered her cancellation. People were, you know, turning on her. And that's never a a positive feeling. Uh, She said that they came from a cross-section of kind. She's talking about the nice comments she got. uh, Empathetic and intelligent people, some working in fields dealing with gender dysphoria and trans people, who are all deeply concerned about the way a sociopolitical concept is influencing politics, medical practice, and safeguarding. They're worried about the dangers to young people, gay people, and about the erosion of women's and girls' rights. Above all, they're worried about a climate of fear that serves nobody, least of all trans youth, well. She said, I'd stepped back from Twitter for many months before, both before and after tweeting support for Maya, because I knew it was doing nothing good for my mental health. I only returned because I wanted to share a free children's book during the pandemic. Immediately, activists who clearly believed themselves to be good, kind, and progressive people swarmed back into my timeline, assuming a right to police my speech, accuse me of hatred, call me misogynistic slurs, and above all, as every woman involved in this debate will know, TERF. If you didn't already know, and why should you, TERF is an acronym coined by trans activists, which stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. 
In practice, a huge and diverse cross-section of women are currently being called TERFs, and the vast majority have never been radical feminists. Examples of so-called TERFs range from the mother of a gay child who was afraid their child wanted to transition to escape homophobic bullying, to a hitherto totally unfeminist older lady who's vowed never to visit Marks and Spencer again because they're allowing any man who says they identify as a woman into the women's changing rooms. Ironically, radical feminists aren't even trans-exclusionary. They include trans men in their feminism because they were born as women. But accusations of turfery have been sufficient to intimidate many Hold people. On, can you run that by me again? She says, ironically, radical feminists aren't even trans-exclusionary. They include trans men in their feminism because they were born as women. Okay, but that, that, that is still trans-exclusionary because they're, they're considering those people to be women, not trans men. So, okay, I see what she's saying, though. I get, I get where she is coming from. I get what one. she's saying, too, and it sounds at first like, it, like it's a valid point, but it's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. They're treating these trans men as though they're still women, which is the, the opposite of, what, of trans tolerance or trans acceptance, whatever terminology one would like to use. She says, but accusations of turfery have, one, have been sufficient to intimidate many people, institutions, and organizations I once admired who are cowering before the tactics of the playground. They'll call us transphobic. They'll say I hate trans people. What next? They'll say you've got fleas. Speaking as a biological woman, a lot of people in positions of power really need to grow a pair, she says, which is doubtless literally possible according to the kind of people who argue that clownfish prove humans aren't a dimorphic species. So why am I doing this? Why speak up? Why not quietly do my research and keep my head down? And then she goes on. She says she has five reasons for being worried about the new trans activism and deciding I need to speak up. Well, it's because she's J.K. Rowling and no no one has very few people have the impact and the resistance to, quote, being canceled that J.K. Rowling has. She's got enough money. She's got enough prestige. She can afford to do it. Yes. That she, unlike many of these people, she can withstand being canceled. It's not going to kill her. Well, and, you know, maybe you and she have more in common, right? Because you're someone who's stood against the quote-unquote trans movement or the collective, as apparently many of them call themselves. And at whatever cost there might be to you uh, to doing that, certainly you don't have a, uh, although you are an author, you certainly don't have this empire of uh, books that they can come crashing down upon uh, right. with a, a reputation, and they certainly would have a tougher time indicting you as an actual trans person. But you've done something similar. Like, you've definitely spoken out. And that's what the, your point, I think, has been on this this game uh, that sort of started this whole discussion, this Hogwarts legacy. So what is the controversy of this uh, of this game? Uh, basically, it's that. It's that J.K. Rowling is a turf, and anyone who calls themselves an ally of trans people isn't, quote, allowed to support Hogwarts legacy isn't allowed to play it. And if you do play it, you have to pirate it. God forbid you mm-hmm. give money that a lot of it comes down to that. Is this also like uh, an extension of if you are a trans person, if you're part of the so-called collective, thou shalt never watch these movies. Thou shalt not watch, you know, buy a book or be, be caught possessing a book. Is there like a total ban amongst these trans people that you're talking about of the this woman's works there, there sort of is um it, it really depends on how far is the left you go or how far into uh, the maniacal side of things you want to go but there is 
certainly a group of people who suggest that you're, quote, literally cause, like she said, you're literally killing trans people with hate speech or whatever. By buying the, the video game. Yeah, and it's, it's complete lunacy, but these people do actually exist, and there are people out there who legitimately believe these sorts of things. Like, I've got a a a tweet here from so, from someone. If you, this is a trans person, if you so much as speak of supporting Harry Potter or <laughs> Hogwarts Legacy financially, we're done. We're not friends. You're blocked. Lack of education is not an excuse at this point. Do not support her hateful agenda. If you must read, watch, or play, pirate it. Giving her money is not okay. As though the pennies that J.K. Rowling would get from mm-hmm. a purchase of or a sale of Hogwarts Legacy is at all relevant to the discussion here. Right. Most of the money is going to go to the software house that made the game, right? The programmers, right. the artists, uh, the, the musicians, the people who created this, this piece of entertainment. And there's countless of examples like that. Like someone else said to me, I'm trying to find it now because we had a bit of a conversation. I mentioned it yesterday. Um, blah, 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 playing Harry Potter against the wishes of the trans community has butterfly effect waves and other aspects of their life. Like somehow by playing, you know, Hogwarts legacy, someone is impacting my life. It's complete nonsense. And this against the wishes of the trans community that this aspect cannot be talked about more. Who decided what were the wishes of the trans community? They didn't ask you. Yeah, no one no one asked me. What is this democracy? Because mm-hmm. there was no vote. And who gets to say who gets to speak up and say, look, I'm speaking for the trans community here because that's what's going on. Someone at some point has stood up and said, I'm the trans community and this is what the trans community has to say. And it doesn't matter that I, as a trans person, am saying something completely different. By the by huge amounts, what we seem to think is happening, this is myself and a lot of other trans people who recognize the futility of, quote, boycotting Hogwarts legacy or just being up in arms about this or just ending friendships. We recognize the futility of all of this, and we just like Harry Potter. Yeah. What, what we believe to be going on here is a bunch of, quote, well-meaning straight cis allies who are upset on behalf of trans people. I There are trans people out there who are upset about mm-hmm. this. Like uh, Stephanie Sterling is one of them. She's gone really off the deep about all of this. But I suspect, and my experience is, most trans people don't really care. Mm. But some of them do. And that's fine. You can care about whatever you Kinda want. Kind of like how uh, most you know, American Indians don't care that the, the Washington right. team was the Redskins. Right? Yeah. They don't care. They but, don't care if you if you get a headband with a feather on it for your Halloween costume and you go around, you know, acting as though you're an American Indian. That uh, cultural appropriation, as they're now calling it, they don't care about that stuff. No, and friends don't police the content that their friends enjoy. Friends don't give ultimatums to <laughs> right. other friends. And I understand where they're coming from. They they may say something like, "Well, a real friend wouldn't support this transphobic That's company." Ridiculous. Okay. And you you would have a point if Rowling's words and speech and actions were actually resulting in real, quantifiable, measurable harm to trans people. But we can't we can't just say, "Well, she says something mean, and therefore 
there's actual harm to trans people. Like there was a trans girl who was stabbed in New York yesterday or the day before. I don't remember exactly when, but she mm-hmm. was stabbed. It's a measure of the loss of perspective that occurs here that we can't have these sorts of conversations. I was having this conversation about Hogwarts on social media and someone actually brought up this trans girl who was stabbed in New York as though that's in any way relevant. Do we know why? No. And, and there's no evidence. A lot of reasons you can get stabbed in New York, right? right? There's absolutely no evidence that this person was stabbed because she was a trans girl. Yeah. She was a trans girl who was stabbed. That right. doesn't mean she was stabbed because she was a trans Correct. girl. But, and, and we're having a conversation about this video game and about whether or not it's okay to play this video game. This conversation about someone getting stabbed is completely irrelevant mm-hmm. To the discussion, it's like me saying, oh, well, I don't like my uncle because he secretly says the N-word at family gatherings. And and this person says to me, oh, yeah, I know. My uncle used to lynch a bunch of black people. It's like, whoa, hold, <laughs> hold on, because these two things are fundamentally different. What you yeah. just said is way worse than what I just said. Actually stabbing a person, whether they're trans or cis or straight or whatever, that's tremendously different. From being a turf or playing a video game that is tangentially related to a turf. These are, there's an entire world of difference between the two things. And this isn't, I, I say you can't, you shouldn't police what entertainment your friends, you know, partake in. And that's true. But if my friends were playing Angry Goitu, which is a video game that was made by Nazis in support mm-hmm. of white supremacist ideology. It's, a, it's not a very good video game. It's a, <laughs> it's a shooter, and it's terrible, and it's meant to be racist and offensive, and it's yeah. not very good. But if you pay attention, all you actually do in the entire video game is you play as a white person who's shooting and killing other white people. I don't understand what in and of itself is actually racist about that. You're just a white person shooting other white people. You're not even shooting black people in this game, right? I'm surprised. Right. But you're not. You're just shooting other white people. But anyway, this isn't Angry Going 2. Angry Going 2, the point of that is to be racist mm-hmm. and you know white supremacist. That's not Hogwarts Legacy. The, the plot yeah. of Hogwarts Legacy isn't about killing trans people or being transphobic. Doesn't it actually have a trans person in it? It does. And that's, that right there shows you how truly unhinged these people are about Hogwarts Legacy. Have you encountered that character? You said you played the game for three to four hours last night. Does that character make an appearance? Uh, She does. I have not gotten there. I need to find this character's name real quick, so give me one second because I don't remember off the top of my head. But that character, more than any other, shows exactly how insane these people are. The character's name is... uh, uh, Stupid advertisements. It's Serona something. Okay. And I can't find the last name now. Serona, right? Mm -hmm. Not exactly the best name I've ever heard, but not a terrible name either. Okay. It's just a name. But the fact that it has the word sir in it, S-I-R-O-N-A, that's what they're pointing to as being <laughs> transphobic. They're like, well, look, if you erase half of this character's name and you basically change this character's name to being an honorific male pronoun, then the character has a male pronoun for a name, and oh that's transphobic. <laughs> they're seriously arguing this. It's completely insane. But what's the actual content surrounding the character? I haven't, I haven't encountered Serona yet. There's more coming up here in moments. You can share your thoughts here. It is Free Talk Live.
Talk Live here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Aria here tonight. We're talking about the what seems to be largely unnecessary controversy surrounding the opinions of one J.K. Rowling uh, by certain trans activists on the Internet who have decided to turn this woman into their arch enemy. And... And like I said, there's this lengthy blog, and I will link to it on our social media so you can see it for yourself over at social.freetalklive.com. Make sure you follow the at FTL account to get, you know, show prep and stuff from us. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but from what I'm seeing here, she seems to be a relatively thoughtful individual who does not appear to be, you know, hateful in any way. Uh, towards trans people and these people that are trying to make it sound as though she's the enemy of all things trans i don't i do not see that here uh, in fact she says she may have considered uh being trans herself if she had been born 30 years later i'll read the, the paragraphs here for you but what you're referring to here aria is this the latest controversy a game that has been released called hogwarts legacy which you said after about a few few hours of playing that the only problem with the game is it's kind of boring. It wasn't really that great. Well, as a game, as far as games go, it has a number of problems. Uh, the map. Every every time I open the map in the video game, I end up ranting up to briefly about how terrible the map is. Like map technology in video games mm-hmm. goes back to the at least the early '80s, and I don't know why they struggled so much to have a decent working map in Hogwarts Legacy. But the map that's included. It's completely useless. The worst video game map I've seen probably in the last 15 years of gaming. Is this a game like an open world game or is it a sort of linear level you got to get from point A to point B? And It's an RPG, very similar. It's not quite open world. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's sort of like Skyrim, except there are quests that one has to follow a bit more structured and organized than Skyrim. Got it. But it is an RPG with quests and all that sorts of stuff. I'm not entirely sure yet to what extent it's really open because it's very guided so far. There's there's not much opportunity to explore. It's very structured, very rigid, and just honestly, it's not a whole lot of fun so far. I'm about four hours in, and I'm not having a good time. It. Hmm. You're supposed to lead with your best foot, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to come out come out strong with an intense, exhilarating game, and I'm just not experiencing that. It's boring and dull, and I'm hoping that at some point it's going to take off. You're going to keep going? You're going to keep playing it? Probably, at, okay. at least for the foreseeable future, just to see if it gets any better, but it's it's not fun so far. So the thing is that these uh, act, quote unquote activists you know, that are just trying to make people's lives a living hell, apparently, on the Internet because they disagree with something they said. And now all of their products can never be considered good. That something they did enjoy, probably while they were growing up, probably enjoyed quite a bit. And then they had a disagreement or a perceived disagreement, at least, with the creator of those uh, those things that they really enjoyed. And then they decided to completely turn against their previous uh, fandom. And reject it entirely, but not just simply rejecting it entirely, but also to reject anyone else who doesn't reject it entirely. Yes, a lot of people are ending friendships and families, uh, family <laughs> ties over that. And to me, that's 
That's absolutely disgusting, man. Like I've It's petty is what it is. I lost friends when I transitioned. Mm-hmm. I lost family members when I transitioned. People cut me out of their lives just because I transitioned. That the idea of ending friendships because they like a video game that I don't like. And again, this isn't angry goy too. This is just a video game that may by, by you know one connection to another connection to another connection, it has some ties to this turf. Who t- alleged? She, well, she is a turf. She's okay. a, she's admitted to being a turf. Okay, but that's not to say that she's transphobic or that she's anti-trans. And I think I it's, don't think she is. No, that's not what I'm seeing. I think it's disingenuous of people to act like she hates trans people or she wants people to not be trans or she wants trans people yeah. to be put to death or to whatever degree or she just doesn't want people to be trans. I don't think she has anything particularly against trans people. To me, she's she's. I don't know what she is, but she hasn't seemed to me as someone who hates trans people and wants to do them any harm whatsoever. As I say here, I feel like she's fairly thoughtful. Um, and again, I've jumped down in this essay, this lengthy yeah. uh, blog post here. She's referring to a woman who, a researcher, a physician and researcher who um, wrote a paper, uh, Lisa Littman. She said, parents, this is Littman who said in an interview, Parents online were describing an unusual pattern of transgender identification where multiple friends and even entire friend groups became transgender identified at the same time. I would have been remiss had I not considered social contagion and peer influences as potential factors. She mentioned online websites like uh, Instagram and Reddit and such as being contributing factors to rapid onset gender dysphoria where she believes that in the realm of transgender identification, youth have created particularly insular echo chambers. And we have seen that in Generation Z, for instance, uh, which you are not, you're, in, uh, you're a millennial, uh, but in Generation Z we're seeing a, a much larger percentage of people who are non-binary or trans or sort of like something else category. But that doesn't uh, necessarily mean a whole lot. And th- this article that she's quoting, this it may be one of the what, one of the papers that Rowling was quoted was quoting or pointing to as examples of uh, something that supported her was disavowed by its own writer, or it was considered fringe, and the mainstream psychology community rejected it or something like that. I don't remember the specifics, and I haven't followed it very closely. Well, just because mainstream psychology right. rejects something doesn't make it wrong. Well, certainly not, uh, but just because she can point to this paper by this psychologist or whatever also doesn't make it necessarily true or valid. Well, but it's an interesting point, is the idea that maybe more people are being trans because it's perceived as something that's kind of cool amongst their friend group. It could be that, Pure but it could also... a real, real thing. It could also just be that we have more left-handed people now because we're no longer punishing people for trying to write with their left hands. I've never heard that we have more left-handed people. Is that a thing? Well, we don't. Oh, okay. But the same number of people we've always had left-handed, okay. but however, uh, you know, a hundred years ago... You were considered evil if you wrote <laughs> with your left hand. That's what the word sinister means, left-handed or something. Is that right? Yeah. And we, there was a long history that if you were left-handed, they would punish you and they would teach you to write with your right hand. You weren't allowed mm. to be left-handed. And then suddenly we stopped doing that. We're like, oh, my God, like 10% of the population suddenly <laughs> left-handed. But 
no, look, they were always left-handed. We just didn't allow them to be. So it could be some element of that is going on where we're just no longer punishing it and we're allowing people to explore their gender identity and their their own that's, I'm sure that's a factor. Um, but let's continue. So she says the paper uh, by Ms. Littman caused a furor. She was accused of bias and of spreading misinformation about transgender people, subjected to a tsunami of abuse and concerted uh, and a concerted campaign to discredit both her and her work. The journal took the paper offline and re-reviewed it before republishing it. However, her career took a similar hit to that suffered by Maya Forstater, which is the woman that she had uh, liked earlier. Lisa Littman had dared challenge one of the central tenets of trans activism, which is that a person's gender identity is innate, like sexual orientation. Nobody, the activists insisted, could ever be persuaded into being trans. Do you hold that belief? I don't know. You know, I I honestly don't. And I don't know that I believe that, you know, being gay is genetic or being gay isn't a choice. I I don't know exactly where I fall in these. I think it's disingenuous to say that. I certainly know many gay guys who believe that it's genetic, that they were always gay. Well, it could very well be. But the, it could also be a choice for some people. I, I don't be. think it's always one or the other. Yeah, I don't think you could exclude that right. completely. And I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, being gay isn't a choice. I think for most people, it's probably not a choice. But for some people, it very well could be. And maybe some people could be persuaded to be trans. I, I don't know. She says further, the argument of many current trans activists is if you don't let a gender dysphoric teenager transition, they will kill themselves. In an article explaining why he was... Well, not will, but like 40% of the time they do. So, I mean, that you kind of can't discount that. 40% is a very high suicide rate. And if we can if we can lower that by allowing people to transition and explore their gender identity, then I, I'm just not seeing a downside to it, other than the fact that it makes you know some people uncomfortable. In an article explaining why he resigned from the Tavistock, which is a gender clinic from the NHS, the National Health Service in England, psychiatrist Marcus Evans stated that... That claims that children will kill themselves if not permitted to transition do not, quote, align substantially with any robust data or studies in this area, nor do they align with the cases I've encountered over decades as a psychotherapist. Rowling says the writings of young trans men reveal a group of notably sensitive and clever people. The more of their accounts, the more of their accounts of gender dysphoria I've read with their insightful descriptions of anxiety, disassociation, eating disorders, self-harm and self-hatred, the more I've wondered whether if I'd been born 30 years later, I too might have tried to transition. The allure of escaping womanhood would have been huge. I struggled with severe OCD as a teenager. If I'd found community and sympathy online that I couldn't find in my immediate environment, I believe I could have been persuaded to turn myself into the son my father had openly said he'd have preferred. I mean, maybe, you know, we we can cast the, this die in any direction and say, well, maybe if this had happened, this would have happened. Or maybe if that would have happened, this would have happened. I, I don't think it's a productive avenue worth exploring to be like well maybe if i was born 30 years later i would have transitioned and i can't speak to the female to male experience maybe they do want to transition because they escape the burdens of womanhood or maybe they just feel like they're a male i i have no idea well i think what you're what i see here is somebody who can empathize right so i'm hearing that uh, jk rowling is saying she could have been this she's saying you know had trans been more of a thing when she was a child 
that maybe she would have chosen to go in that direction for but various she, different reasons. But she's looking at it from a weird perspective that I don't think trans people look at it from. I certainly don't look at it as when when I said about quote to transition, it wasn't because you know, my life as a male is too easy and it's boy, it sure would be it sure would make my life more challenging if I had to adopt the struggles of the woman mm-hmm. and I suspect that most uh, female to male people don't think, oh, my life as a woman sucks and I want to have me some of that male privilege. So I'm going to transition. I I don't think that's the perspective anyone comes at it from. And I understand why she would say that, but it's just a matter of gender dysphoria. And for someone who's never experienced it, it's it's not going to be something that they really have any. And what is gender dysphoria? It's the sense that one's body does not correspond to how one wants to pre- present it. I, I I don't know exactly how to explain it's it. It's not but, a match. Something's not right. a match. It's like I I have these characteristics, but these are the characteristics that I wish I had. She and says, I say that, but it sounds cheap when it's just a matter of, oh, well, I wish I had boobs or whatever. It's far more in-depth mm-hmm. than that. She says, when I read about the theory of gender identity, I remember how mentally sexless I felt in youth. I remember Colette's description of herself as a mental hermaphrodite and Simone de Beauvoir's words, quote, It is perfectly natural for the future woman to feel indignant at the limitations posed upon her by her sex. The real question is not why she should reject them. The problem is rather to understand why she accepts them, unquote. She says, I didn't have a realistic possibility of becoming a man back in the 1980s. It had to be books and music that got me through both my mental health issues and the sexualized scrutiny and judgment that set so many girls to war against their bodies in their teens. Fortunately for me, I found my own sense of otherness and my ambivalence about being a woman reflected in the work of female writers and musicians who reassured me that, in spite of everything a sexist world tries to throw at the female-bodied, it's fine not to feel pink, frilly, and compliant inside your own head. It's okay to feel confused, dark, both sexual and non-sexual, unsure of what or who you are. So what I'm hearing here is a woman who's being very honest about her youth and her you know, un- being unsure of herself in her youth. This she is, sounds- but she doesn't get it. Okay. She is, uh, she is approaching the subject. I think she gets herself. She does. Okay. But she doesn't under, she doesn't get the trans struggle, right? These aren't people who are like, oh, well, I don't like pink and frilly stuff. So, so I'm really a man, right? That's the perspective mm-hmm. that she's coming at it from. And that's, that's not all there is to it. There are plenty of trans men, which is a female to male person, who don't like frilly pink stuff. Some of them do mm-hmm. like frilly pink stuff, but that's that's not all it boils down to. And these female to male people, the the lack of their interest in typically female things isn't what makes them trans. And that seems to be the perspective that Rowling is coming at it, which is, oh, well, when I was a teenager, I didn't like these pink frilly things either. So maybe if I was born 30 years later, I would have been trans, but... That's not all there is to it with these people who transition with trans people that it's not just a matter of, oh, well, I don't like football. I like football just fine. Right. I don't like steaks or I don't like wearing pants or whatever. None of that is what makes me a trans person. It's true that I'm not into football, but at the same time, I do like football. And at the same time, there are female to male trans people who do like pink stuff who do like frilly stuff and there are some who don't Mm -hmm. these issues these these gender cultural norms 
are relevant to the discussion, but they're not the end all be all that Rowling seems to think they are. Okay. She says, I want to be very clear here. I know transition will be a solution for some gender dysphoric people. Yep. Although I'm also aware through extensive research that studies have consistently shown that between 60 to 90% of gender dysphoric teens will grow out of their dysphoria. Again and again, I've been told to just, quote, meet some trans people, unquote. I have. In addition to a few younger people who are all adorable, I happen to know a self-described transsexual woman who's older than I am and wonderful. Although she's open about her past as a gay man, I've always found it hard to think of her as anything other than a woman. And I believe and certainly hope she's completely happy to have transitioned. And I, I definitely want to highlight that because she's right. Rowling is right. And you're not allowed to say this today. And this, this may be why people call her transphobic. But gender... That's not what I'm hearing. No. At all. But this, but, but this may be why people call her that yeah. because you're not allowed to say this. Gender identity disorder, this, this situation where one's gender doesn't correspond to one's birth sex or however one wishes to characterize it, it sucks. And the, the most effective way of treating it for some people is to transition. Like for me, the most effective way of resolving all of these issues is to transition into being a trans woman. Mm -hmm. But that's not the solution for everyone. That's not what everyone needs. Maybe some people just, just need a therapist. They just need someone to talk to or, or they just want to be a drag queen on the weekends or whatever. Having that viewpoint is what is causing the hatred. Possibly. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's certainly causing it from some people because you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to recognize the reality that transitioning isn't for everyone. It's Transitioning is a treatment for gender identity disorder. It's mm-hmm. not the only treatment. It's not always the best treatment. Just like chemotherapy is a treatment for some forms of cancer, but it's not always the best treatment. It's not always the best option. And you, I have a headache, right? But that doesn't mean I need to take Excedrin or mm-hmm. aspirin or Tylenol or whatever. Yep. Maybe that works for some people in some scenarios, but right now it's not going to work for me in this scenario. So just because you have this one medicine, transitioning is the medicine, doesn't mean it's always used to treat this medical condition that is gender identity sure. disorder. And that's just that's just a simple, true statement, but you're not allowed to say it. In the quote-unquote collective. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, these are people who, it sounds like these are people who are so committed to their way. It's their way or the highway. Yeah. If you don't go full on and, you know, cut your body parts off, then these people will say you're not serious about it. Is that right? There are some of those. That that tends to be less true That's among gotta the That's got to be left. the extreme. The most extreme, right? I mean, in my experience, most people on the left don't think you have to undergo any sort of surgery or even any sort of hormone replacement Mm -hmm. therapy in order to transition or to be female or male or whatever. Like, I I know some trans people or some people who claim to be trans. I don't want to get into the complications there, Mm -hmm. but they they have a five o'clock shadow and they want to be called, you know, her. (laughs) And you have... People on the left, these same people on the left who would call Rowling transphobic or anti-trans or say she's literally killing trans people, they would say that this person is trans and should be called she, her, and all of these other things. Simply because they say so. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would argue, I I don't think one has to have you know, bottom surgery or top surgery or any sort of surgery, but one does need to do some sort of effort Mm -hmm. into transitioning. Yeah, see, to me, it's like, especially for young people... You know, who many are likely, as Rowling points out, to possibly change their mind uh, at some point. I think it's fine. You know, put shave, put on makeup, 
wear extensions, grow your hair out, do whatever it is you feel it, put on whatever clothing you want to. But chopping body parts off to me is going too far because there's certain things that you can't reverse, right? And that would make life very very unfortunate if you decided later on that oh actually you know i would have rather had my penis you know (laughs) nothing is actually reversible right and this is where the issue gets really complicated it's like you're going to go through puberty one way or the other Mm -hmm. time is not going to stop whether you're a male who wants to trans let's just say you have me as a 12 year old right Mm -hmm. i can progress through puberty as a male or I can undergo, you know, hormone replacement therapy and go through puberty as a female. I, I can take either one of those two paths. And I could transition and then go on to regret it and say, man, I wish that I had gone through puberty as a male. Then I'd be taller. I'd be more muscular. I'd have a deeper voice. Or I could be happy with it and say, boy, I'm glad I transitioned. And we could have we have the opposite on the other end as well, where I could not transition and I could be happy with that result, mm-hmm. or I could be sad about that result. So we have these two paths, and each one could have regret, and each one could have happiness. We don't know which one is going to lead to happiness and which one is going to lead to regret. All we know is that I am going to get older. I am going to go through puberty. Whether I do that as a male or female or not, I'm going. it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there is the possibility of regret. That, and there is a possibility of happiness. I, we don't know whether I'm going to be happy about transitioning or upset about transitioning. It's up to you. Or whether I'll be happy about not transitioning or upset about not transitioning. Mm-hmm. It's not anyone else's decision but mine because I'm the only one who has to live with the consequences of that. Right? No one else is going to say, oh boy, you really it, it really hurts me that you transition and now you regret it. Well, okay, I'm, I'm the much. one that hurts. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one right. that would hurt in this scenario. So with all of these things being true, that puberty is going to happen. Someone is going to go through puberty times, not going to stop for them to do it. All we can do is let that individual make the decision that they think is going to be least likely to lead to regret. And maybe that's transitioning, maybe it isn't transitioning, and maybe it makes people uncomfortable Uncomfortable to think about this 13-year-old transitioning into being a girl or transitioning into being a boy, and I get it. That sucks. No one wants to have to face that, but that person is going to go through puberty one way or the other, and it's not any better for them to regret transitioning than it is for them to not regret transitioning. I see what you're saying. Whether they transition and regret it or whether they don't transition and regret that they both suck there's no good answer here and any decision they make could lead to regret so let's let them make the decision that they believe is least likely to lead to regret whatever that decision is and maybe it makes you uncomfortable to think about this 13 year old making these sorts of decisions and that's true and again that sucks but time's not going to stop Mm -hmm. a decision has to be made whether you allow nature to make that decision or whether you allow them to make that decision for themselves by taking hormones, either way, a decision is going to be made. Something has to be done. And I err on the side of let this person act in the way that they think is best for them. I generally would be on that on that side. But if it comes to cutting off body parts, I, if I were the parent in that in that case, I would say that's too far. Like, you want to take pills? Okay, fine. You know, if that's what you really want to do, take some pills. Uh, if that's the direction you want to move, but at least at the end of it, you won't ever regret cutting off some sort of body part because that's like seems to me to be like too far. 
for somebody to somebody who's so young to make a make a decision like that. Like if you're out on your own, you're out taking care of yourself, and that's something you want to do, and you can pay for it. Because obviously, like how many teenagers can afford right. that that kind of surgery, right? Like that's one you'd have to give some years, I think, to really consider. I think I agree with that because there's nothing gained by cutting off any body parts, <laughs> right? right? Th- that can be done at the age of 19 year old without having any time. effect, yeah. right? The hormones that that can't be done at any time. You know, it, starting hormone replacement therapy at the age of 12 is enormously different from starting at 18. But having your penis cut off at 18 isn't any different than having it done at 12. So I, I think I'm with you on that. We're going to continue. Uh, there's a little bit more from J.K. Rowling. She was talking about some of the trans people she knows yeah. and likes. Uh, there's more coming up here. I think she just doesn't like some of the ones that are, well, threatening her and things like that on the Internet. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. Hour number three is on the way. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Ian and Aria here tonight. The number, if you want to join the show, it's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Trying to figure out the controversy surrounding J.K. Rowling, uh, the author of the Harry Potter series of books and I guess some other books as well. And uh, she has set off some very upset types of people on the internet, specifically these trans activist types, who many of whom you don't get along with either, Arius. It's kind of interesting right. having your perspective on all of this. Uh, and, I, and I wanted to go directly to her words, and not just a tweet. Like, there's an article that, like, collects some of her tweets, and it's just like, you can't get anything out of 180 or 280 characters. Uh, so, it turns out she actually has her own blog on jkrowling.com. In a lengthy piece written, let me see, when was this written? June of 2020. Uh, She writes about her responses, or rather her reasons, for speaking out on sex and gender issues. And we've shared some uh, excerpts from this. And I find it to be, you know, whether you agree or disagree completely with her perspectives, she doesn't seem to be someone who in any way, shape, or form hates trans people. Uh, She seems to be someone who can identify to some extent with them, uh, has known a number of them and seems to actually like them the ones that she's known in real life but then there's the ones online that apparently have issued death threats towards her and have been very very unkind right uh so that's kind of what she's addressing here i don't want to just kind of pick up on this paragraph where she was talking about how she has known people uh younger a few younger people who she describes as adorable and, yeah, and I definitely don't think Rowling, as we said, is anti-trans or anything like that. The reason I boycott her isn't because I think she's doing anything wrong. You're or, not boycotting her. You're playing well, her video game. True. But the, <laughs> I tend to avoid her stuff, though, right? As I mentioned previously, that's why I didn't go see the Fantastic Beasts or whatever. I, I tend to avoid her stuff. It's because she is doing a lot of positive, good things for LGBT. LGB people in general. She's very pro-gay, pro-lesbian, all of these great things. And she could also be doing that work in support of trans people Mm -hmm. as she chooses not to. And that's fine. She doesn't have to, you know, throw any... What kind of work should she be doing? I don't think she has... She shouldn't be doing anything that she doesn't want to do. Right. But if she's not doing the things that you think she should be doing and that's why you're not supporting her generally, what do you feel like what do you feel like she could be doing that would make you more likely to support her? 
Well, she supports the gay and lesbian communities by having gay and lesbian characters in her novels that mm. are portrayed as good people who are just like everyone else, right? And, and that's a good thing. We need more of that. We need more mm. characters in media who are gay, and it's not a big deal. It's not the focal point of their entire existence. It's I would not say at this point, that- that's so common. It's like, I don't even think you need to say you need more of it. There's literally gay characters everywhere there are but it's not uh, like there's this test right and i don't remember what it's called now it's about how females are portrayed in movies how women are portrayed Mm -hmm. in movies and there's a very simple question of women having a conversation with one another they have to either i I don't remember all the rules but it's a really basic criteria where basically the women have to have a conversation where there's no men and in order for it to pass this test has to be two or more women having a conversation and the conversation cannot be about a male. Hmm. It cannot be about a man. And you would be stunned at how many pro-women movies mm-hmm. cannot pass that very basic test of just having two women having a conversation are always talking about the boys, that huh? isn't about men. <laughs> and it, th- that's a very simple, very low bar to pass. But if you ask most people, of course, you know, of course movies are pro-women and you know they're not being messed up toward women. They're not being sexist or misogynistic or anything like that. But when you look the overwhelming majority of Hollywood movies cannot pass that simple test. So, and the same is true of char- gay characters as well. well. Yes, there are a bunch of gay characters in movies, but the very simple test in regard to gay people would be, is do they have any other characteristics aside from being gay? And more often than not, the answer is no. Like, like that's, that's the only thing that is about them. That, that's the only characteristic they happen to have. And the what makes Rowling different? Well, it, it it is. And what makes Rowling different is that her characters are not defined by their sexuality, and mm-hmm. that's a wonderful thing. Like, and to the extent that no one even knew Dumbledore was gay until she felt like she needed to drop that bomb on the world because no one cared, right? It just it doesn't matter, right? Right. Until it does. Maybe right. it did at the it time never it was mattered. dropped. It, she okay. just you know, included it as a factoid on Twitter that yeah. Dumbledore was gay. And it wasn't I a see. central aspect of his character. So there wasn't a scene in the books right. where he kisses you know, some teacher as a male in the school right. or whatever. It never okay. changed his character. It was immaterial. He was just a person who, yeah. just like everyone else, he just happened to be gay. Mm-hmm. And that's what Rowling did that was awesome. And it would be great if she could do the same thing. For trans people. Well, now, isn't there a trans... There's a trans character in this new game that has caused a, the latest stir of controversy. Now, it's not... I have a, not encountered this character, though, but the character's name is Serona Ryan. Mm-hmm. And... She's I, she's not coming out of a book, right? The, right. And and so the question is, how much involvement did Rowling have in the production of the game? Did Probably she very little. This? Did she approve this? Did she oversee the scripting know. for the game? I doubt it, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. I tend to think she probably didn't have much to do with it. She just got her money and carried on with her life, right? Mm. But I don't know. Maybe she did. But the character's name is Serona Ryan, and that's what people are taking issue with. Apparently, Serona Ryan is a male-to-female trans person like me, Mm -hmm. born as a male, transitioned to female. And they take issue with the fact that if you erase, if you change this person's name to Sir, then her name becomes Sir Ryan. Okay. And and yeah, that's true, but her name isn't Sir. It's Serona. Just because her name has S I R in it doesn't and ridiculous. Th- this isn't the first time they've done this. So now there's this this tweet circulating where they they talk about 
Cho Chang, who's an Asian character in the Harry Potter series. Okay. And Kingsley Shacklebolt, who's an African character, like literally from Africa. And there's another one, I don't remember the name now, um, so, some Goldstein, who is Jewish. And somehow these characters and their names are racist on Rowling's part. Like the fact that she has an Asian character named Cho Chang. I'm sorry, but that's an Asian name. How how <laughs> else do you want her to portray an Asian character? I don't know. If she was an Asian character and you named her Margaret Sampson, people would take issue with that. They would that. be upset. Yeah. yeah so, I, I mean, think that's the thing. You just can't make these people happy. No. I, I don't think there's any set of circumstances or characters or whatever that wouldn't find someone offended because these are the kind of people who are always looking to be offended. It's almost as though that being an offended trans person is who they are. Very, very good point. That they're not just a trans person living out their life as a trans person. They have to always be upset about something. Some, nothing in the world is can be right for them. Nope. And they always have to get, you know, oh, this is what it gives my life meaning is to be angry at J.K. Rowling or the games producers or whoever the hell it is that they're upset about. The much bigger concern with Rowling, and again, this is not something I can speak to because I don't pay attention to this. I don't expect the creators of the entertainment I, I consume to be heroes. I expect them to be flawed people with mm-hmm. some bad opinions. I don't expect that usually makes them more interesting. Sure, I but I don't expect Rowling to be this this wonderful white knight who has never said anything problematic or racist or sexist or transphobic or homophobic in her entire life. And I don't need her to be. It's okay for her to have flaws, and I don't look for entertainment from people who have no flaws. I I would have no entertainment to listen to. I, Maynard, the singer from Tool, is a bootlicker. He loves the police. So he's all back the thin blue line or whatever. But I still listen to Tool. And it's because I'm I'm capable of enjoying the entertainment that these people produce, even though they still had flaws. That I think um, more people need to be capable of is like there's flaws and so much out there right like there's certain people who say oh you shouldn't buy anything from any corporation that's tied in with the government okay so now you're never going to be able to buy anything anymore because all of these corporations have some stupid program that they support that the government does and you know they're giving money to this program or that program that's offensive they're supporting the military bombing people or whatever and it's like look i just need to buy a new faucet for my my bathtub okay can i just go to home depot to do it do i have to find you know some faucet maker that lives in my town that's going to charge me $700 to custom make me a fa- I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. It is. The bigger problem with Rowling, as far as I can tell, and again, I can't speak to this, is that she may be anti-Semitic. And I don't know. And I, and I talked about this last night in the gaming stream that I was doing. The goblins in the Harry Potter series, they're hook-nosed, they're all bankers, <laughs> and allegedly, you probably already know where I'm going with this, they're supposed to be representatives. They're, they're supposed to be Jewish. And I never got this until people on the Internet started raging about how the, the goblins were anti-Semitic or whatever it's like. Because when I see these goblins, when I see these short men with their hook noses and their glasses and their bankers, I don't think Jew. I think, oh, this is a goblin, mm-hmm. right? Because it's literally a goblin. I think if you look at one of these figures with a hook nose and the big glasses, the banker, and the the evil banker at that, mm-hmm. and you see a Jew, 
I think that says, says a more lot about more about you than it does anyone else. And maybe it's true that Rowling did all of these things. Maybe she's anti-Semitic and she meant for the goblins to be Jews. I don't know. But I didn't see that until other people pointed yeah. it out and said this is what it's supposed to be. But there's a lot of when, when, once you start digging into this, there's a lot of connections between the Jews and the goblins and Rowling that probably aren't coincidental like where Gringotts is supposed to where it was filmed in the movies or something something about a a Nazi symbol I don't remember all the specifics you can google it if you're curious about it I think you're gonna have to whoever is making these arguments gonna have to come up with a little more than that well they have them and that's what I'm saying I haven't looked into these arguments because I don't particularly care one way or the other but these arguments certainly exist and people have put it together and there are websites dedicated to showing how Rowling is (laughs) anti-Semitic and she probably is I don't know I'm not going to go that far and say that well you haven't looked at any of the evidence either well she's she's quoted in in a story at the Times of Israel and saying it's time for non-Jews to start standing up to anti-Semitism. In a series of sure. tweets, she expressed solidarity with British Jews, rejecting semantic arguments of anti-Semites. Quote, most UK Jews in my timeline are currently having to field this kind of crap, so perhaps some of us non-Jews should start shouldering the burden. She wrote in response to a tweet saying, quote, because Judaism is a religion and not a race. Which I don't is know. which is great. Seems I mean, fine to me. Yeah, I like I said, I don't know if yeah. she's anti. I think just because somebody's got a theory on the internet doesn't mean diddly. Well, no, but right at a certain point, if there's a lot of smoke, there's probably a fire, and that's all I'm saying. And on the case of anti-Semitism and J.K. Rowling, there seems to be a lot of smoke. That's all I know. All right. Uh, so she had this to say about her knowing actual trans people in her life, and she described the younger people as adorable. She described a self-described transsexual woman who's older than her as wonderful. She says, although she's open about her past as a gay man, I've always found it hard to think of her as anything other than a woman. And I believe she's completely happy to have transitioned. Being older, though, she went through a long and rigorous process of evaluation, psychotherapy, and staged transformation. The current explosion of trans activism is urging removal of almost all the robust systems through which candidates for sex reassignment were once required to pass. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think the gatekeeping about who is allowed to transition and who isn't allowed was a good thing. I think that all of those roadblocks they put in place were designed to keep people from transitioning. They were designed to do more harm than good, and they probably did more harm than good. She says a man who intends to have no surgery and take no hormones may now secure himself a gender recognition certificate and be a woman in the sight of the law. She says many people aren't aware of this. And I think this is where it comes down to uh, where she kind of becomes more clear about what she believes that might be offending some people in the trans community is that she goes on to say that she doesn't like the idea that somebody can just walk into a women's bathroom and you know, use those facilities because she feels that it puts women at some sort of jeopardy. And, uh, and I've, I'm skeptical of this particular belief system. Like to me, it seems like if there's a danger, if like there's a person who, who uh, is going to be dangerous to women, it's not going to matter what they call themselves as far as whether they're trans or not. They're going to go into that bathroom and they're going to commit some sort of violent act or whatever it is they're going to do, whether they do it with a wig on their head or not is completely immaterial, right? I think the argument is that the trans 
ideology or whatever it would be allows them to have freer access to the women's room in order to perpetrate these acts i think does it really though i understand that's the argument they're making but i'm i am skeptical of that argument like it's not like they're restricted from going in there right those doors are unlocked anybody who wants to can push a woman's bathroom door open and then go in there and hide in another stall or something like that right like if there's somebody with with bad intents the the odds that there's someone's going to see them going into the women's bathroom in most places is fairly low. Yeah, and it's not against the law for them to do it, whether they're trans or not. Is that in, right? In most states. I think mm-hmm. in North Carolina, it's illegal. I, I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. But in general, there's no law that says you can't go into the women's room or the men's room. That's interesting. It's just it's just custom. Right. Is what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I understand. I, I'm not trying to reject the idea that some women probably feel uncomfortable with a dude in the, in the bathroom. That, I, I get it, right? Like, that's... We didn't. We weren't raised that way, so it probably but feels we were, really weird. But we were raised that way. What do you mean? Wait, like we all grew up in homes where we shared the bathroom with men and women all the time. No, but you know what I mean. I mean, like where you're in at the same time. I mean, it's different if you're in the if you're a little kid and your mom's you know helping you in the bathroom yeah. or something. I'm talking about where you're in the you're in a bathroom stall. You come out and there's someone of the opposite sex standing at the sink, you know, washing up. Now, personally, I don't give a damn. It wouldn't make me bat an eye one way or the other because I don't really care. But I understand why some people would feel weird about that or feel as though they were, you know, having their space invaded. But I just don't think it's realistic to believe that because it's quote unquote okay means you're in some sort of extra danger. I don't believe that for a moment. I think that if you're going to be in danger, it has nothing to do with whether or not somebody considers themselves trans. You, If there's somebody out there who means to do someone harm, whether it be a woman or a man, and they want to go into a bathroom, there's absolutely nothing to stop them from doing that. There's no amount of somebody seeing another person of the opposite gender go into a bathroom. What are they going to do? Yeah, You see it happen? What are you going to do? You're either going to avoid the bathroom. Are you going to call the cops? I mean, probably not. By the time the cops arrive... First of all, odds are the dudes or whoever it is, is just going in to use the bathroom. Like I've walked into women's bathrooms before. The ones that are like one person size where no one else can walk in where I was at a, uh, uh, or was it like a gas station? We'd stopped at a gas station and the men's bathroom was locked for too damn long. And I'm like, women's bathroom's open. Okay. I'm going in, you know, and then locked it behind me and no one else can come in there. Um, but you know, it's not, like you said, it's not a crime. It was just convenient. But for the bathrooms that are larger where there's other people in there, of course, I'm not going to go in to one of those because I don't want to create somebody feeling uncomfortable in that case or feeling intimidated, but I don't believe the the claims that it's going to somehow increase, you know, women being raped in bathrooms. I just don't buy that. No, it certainly won't. And the bigger tragedy here is exactly the opposite. It's that the vast... The vast majority of trans people are more, far more likely to be the victims of sexual assault than they are the mm. perpetrators of sexual assault. And the numbers bear this out repeatedly. The, the type of person who is going to commit sexual assault is overwhelmingly not likely to be trans. The trans person is likely to be the victim of sexual assault, but not likely to do it. So, the, so these punishments of the, this whole bathroom nonsense, it's not affecting the people who are likely to be sex offenders in the first place. And it's not doing anything to protect people from 
those sex offenders. It's just affecting a a minority of the population that isn't going to do anything wrong in the first place. Like people are just trying to pee. That's it. Right. For the most part. Yes, that's true. Now, uh, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but she does get into a very personal uh, explanation here of her own history. She apparently had a violent marriage. Uh, so she has been the victim of a violent man in her past. And Which so is you, horrible. And so you could understand why someone who has had that history would find it concerning that, oh, no, you know, men are going to be coming into the uh, the bathroom with women. And if she believes that men are more likely to be violent or something like that, then you could understand why she has the viewpoint that she has, whether or not it's realistic. Perhaps, but it comes down to a question of, you know, I, I can see why she would be concerned about, you know, men coming into the women's room. But the question here isn't that men aren't coming into the women's room. Trans women would be. And whether or not she considers those trans women to be women or men is sort of the issue. And it seems that she would consider them to be men. And that's where the issue comes into play. I don't see that. I see that she acknowledges this one, the woman that she knows, uh, the trans woman that she knows as a woman. She says she couldn't think of anything else besides her being a woman. She refers to it as right. a her and a she and all that. I think she's concerned that there's going to be some rapist who like throws on a wig. He's got the five o'clock shadow and then he's got access to the women's bathroom. That that would be someone that not even you would necessarily consider as uh, as a trans person because they're not right. putting the effort into it. That may very well be just a guy who wants to take advantage of somebody in the bathroom. It's not an unbelievable scenario. It's not. I don't think it's likely. Like I said, I think if that person wants to commit some violent act, a wig or not, they're going to go in there and they're going to do it, right? Because they're yeah. a psychopath and they want to hurt somebody. Uh, in that case, your best bet isn't to look to the government to protect you from these people by passing some kind of law. Your best bet is to have a damn gun in your purse or some other weapon that you can defend yourself with or be be trained on how to defend yourself and defend yourself if something like that happens. Because whether or not that person is appearing as trans is completely irrelevant to whether or not they intend to do you harm. I agree with you, Aria. I think, you know, 99.9% of these people are just going into pee. Uh, and the odds are that you should be afraid in, in public bathrooms seems to be pretty un, unrealistic. That's not to say those things couldn't happen or that they haven't happened, right. but the odds that they will happen are very, very slim. And if you have a weapon on you that you can defend yourself with, the odds that it will happen to you successfully are far, far lower at that point. They will turn around and leave if you pull something. I agree, and I don't know to what extent Rowling is anti-trans or transphobic or whatever. I don't hear it in this. Yeah. I don't um, hear it. Maybe, maybe not, right? Yeah. I, I certainly haven't heard it in this, and I there's a huge... every They call me transphobic, right? Yeah. Simply because I do insist that if someone wants to be called she, then they, they shave the five o'clock shadow. Mm -hmm. They put some effort into presenting themselves as a woman, and I don't think... That's a very high bar. I'm not asking for them to pass. I'm not asking for them to be good at it, right? Mm -hmm. Just put some effort into it. Show me that you're putting the effort into it, and I will match your effort by using the pronouns that you want me it to seems use. seems fair. Right. And this is why they hate you. Right. And I suspect that this is why they hate Rowling, too. I, think I don't right. know. I think you're right, because she's not 100% on board with the... I keep thinking community. The collective. She's not 100% yes. on board with, the, with what they want, and neither are you.
So like I say, I think you guys have a little more in common uh, than, than otherwise. I'll put the link on the social media at social.freetalklive.com. The phones are open here. If you want to weigh in, you can join us here. 603-283-6160. Are you afraid when you go into a public bathroom? Talk Live. You can join us here. We have time for you if you want to dial in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Aria here tonight. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody that has written letters on behalf of me to the judge. In my case, you can go to letters.freetalklive.com to learn about how to do that. Uh, We've had people from all across the U.S., even in Canada, uh, right in. So thank you for uh, for doing that. I definitely appreciate it. My sentencing is coming up in two months. It's now currently scheduled before your sentencing, Aria. Uh, so yeah, that's awkward, but that's what's happening. You don't think yours will get pushed back? I have no idea okay. what's going to happen. I mean, uh, it could. It certainly seems to have with almost everyone else. I mean, uh, Renee and Andy and I think... I think there might have only been one other co-defendant that didn't have theirs pushed back. I'm thinking it was nobody, but I'm, I don't I don't recall. remember whose was pushed back and who wasn't. I remember yeah. that uh, Renee's was pushed back by 30 days. I don't remember yeah. why. Uh, mine's been pushed back. So You've got the record exhausting. for right now. Yeah. Almost half a year uh, at this point. So uh, if you want to help, please go to letters.freetalklive.com and all the details are there, including the address to which you can send it. We go to Jimmy. He's in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. I feel the same way about J.K. Rowling's that I do about Taylor Swift. I'd love to be their boyfriend, but don't talk to me about your book and don't talk to me about your music. <laughs> I, just, I just like them as people, you know. I, I don't, How I don't do you want know? To hear you don't know them. them. How can you like them as people? I like them as far as I know. Of okay. course, yes. They, they have to accept me, of course, but... Uh, if I were Taylor Swift's boyfriend, I would say, look, honey, I heard 10 seconds of your music. I hate it. Don't talk to me about it. But I like your effort. I like your personality. You know, Taylor Swift's actually a pretty good musician. She's really talented. Uh, wh- does she write one- her own stuff? She does. Oh, okay. uh, not all of it, I don't think. But mm-hmm. she's capable of playing the piano. She's capable mm-hmm. of, she writes her own lyrics. She writes her own beats. <laughs> she, she's pretty good as far as musicians go. It's not okay. my style. But she's certainly gifted. Yeah, that's what I like about her. J.K. Rowling, she's a great writer, but I don't want to hear about Harry Potter. Just let's go out and eat Italian dinner, okay? <laughs> I suspect she doesn't spend her time talking about uh, her books, right? Like, she's probably a more interesting person than someone who just wants to talk about their, their creations. It's her fans that are the ones that talk about her creations constantly. I suspect she's, yeah. like, yeah. you know, moved on. Yeah. So she'd probably really like me as a boyfriend, either one of them, right? (laughs) Uh, I don't know, Jimmy. I'm not going to go out on that limb. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You guys. Okay. Thank you, guys. I really enjoy your show. Okay. Thanks for the call tonight. Uh, Strange. Moving on. Uh, Sarah, and by the way, J.K. Rowling is married. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Oh, have you guys heard about the Zook out of California? Zook? Z-O-O-K. What's that? 
it's a self-driving uh, automated taxi. Oh, yeah. Actually, that is in my show prep here, Sarah. I do have uh, Z-O-O-X is actually how it is spelled. It's Amazon that, who knew, Amazon's getting into the taxi business. So uh, Uber and Lyft, you know, we know Uber's been working towards doing automated Ubers. Um, they're not there yet, but they're experimenting with it. Amazon apparently is test driving theirs right now. So that's what you're calling about? Yeah. So are, are they legal now? Are they about to be legal? Um, I don't know. I've, I've seen it. It looks like a little miniature bus. It looks just like a bus. But uh, I'm just so excited because, um, you know, I hate driving. And Do then you drive? Sure he can. Yeah, you've never driven a day in your life, correct? No, I, I have driven. Really? Times that I got into three car wrecks. And so that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely don't belong behind uh, the wheel of a car. You have a license, Sarah? I actually, I technically I have a license, but I'm I'm terrified of driving. Just goes to show, right. they give but, a license to anybody. <laughs> well, well, that, yeah. Well, how did how did you guys know that? That you have yeah, a license? We used to give driver's license to illegals when I used to come here thirty. What years is ago. an illegal? What no no document like uh, when they you know the they you mean a human being they... a human being well, who was born came somewhere here, else I went to the DMV Wait, I went to the DMV about thirty years ago I was twenty one I went to DMV and I said could I have a New Mexico driver's license and then she she looked at me and she said do you have a driver's license from another state and I said yes I do and she says okay good enough so she just gave me a New Mexico driver's license. And I'm like, Wait, you didn't have to turn in the wrong. other license? No, no, I. she never asked. No social security number, driver's license number, no. no. So you totally, number, you lied no. to this lady. You didn't have a driver's license elsewhere? No, I, I did. She did, she, did you give her your name? She never asked anything on paper. I see. Did you give her your name? And then I found out, well, yeah, you gave driver's to. license to illegals. Yeah, that's how she and found you, Sarah. Did. You gave her your name, <laughs> she and she typed up. it into this database. Hey, Sarah, uh, so yeah, we do have this story. Um, so I guess you, you like this idea, the Zooks, the automated car? Well, I love this idea because we were thinking of maybe buying, upgrading after this goes up, buying a house like maybe three miles away from the nearest bus line. Mm -hmm. Who was thinking but about this? this tax, I mean, with this, we could live yeah. there. Sarah, who was thinking really about nice buying thing. a house? Well, we already have a well, Richard already owns a house right now. You have a townhouse, right? So you're going to buy a second one? Well, I mean, after this goes up another maybe sixty thousand dollars, we could we could make a down payment on a like a nine hundred thousand house. Down Why is equity? your current house not good enough? I mean, you've you've moved from literally in the time that we've been speaking with you in the last year, you've moved from a trailer to a townhouse, which is a big upgrade, right? Like you're in what oh, a no, two, it's, two three bedroom house oh, no, now? It's great. No, it's great, but how many bedrooms, to, how many baths are you currently in in the townhouse? Well, he we have um, four, one, two, three, four bedrooms. Four. Good Lord. Two baths? And, and a half. How about that? Two and a, a half baths? I can see yeah. why Richard's trying to bring these homeless women over. <laughs> He's got the space. Why do you want a $900,000 house when you already have four bedrooms? I mean, do you want to clean more more of a of an empty house? No, I do not want that. I do not need it. But it's, it's Richard. He wants to do it for his egomania. It's, a, it's an <laughs> ego thing. It's an ego. So ego 
mania? Yeah, that's what she said. Okay. Yeah, I thought, yeah I just, so. Be, I mean, it's, a, okay. it's supposed to make him feel like a success, that he's accomplished something in life. And, and how do you feel about this? Well, I don't mind. But the only problem is that it might be three miles away to walk to a nearest bus stop. That's then that's how this Zook is going to help our life. Well, the Zook isn't the, out yet. I mean, it's huh? it's under a test uh, situation right now in California, so it's nowhere near where you are, according to CNBC. And thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. Uh, according to CNBC, their report here: Amazon-owned autonomous vehicle venture Zooks. Said Monday, it is now testing its self-driving robo-taxis on public roads in California with passengers on board. The vehicles have no steering wheel or pedals. Good Lord. And they have bi-directional driving capabilities and four-wheel steering, enabling them to change directions without the need to reverse. Which is kind of interesting. Change directions. With the, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Westworld. But there's a. I have not. There's a. I think it's season three. They go. They leave Westworld, which is this park, and they go into the city. And the city has things that look a lot like uh, the, the show has things that look a lot like these Zooks cars, where you can't tell which end is the front. Basically, it's like a completely symmetrical right. vehicle. There's no obvious front to this thing because apparently there isn't. It's you know somewhere there's a battery in there and whatever it is that you know drives the axles of these uh these wheels but there's it's an, it's an interesting de- uh, device here again you don't, doesn't have to reverse it doesn't have to turn around or anything like that which is all well and good but i, I don't understand the uh, sarah is a communist so i i understand why she loves public transportation and buses and all that stuff but the zooks sounds like more of a taxi type thing for it is. an individual type of car which is bad right that's bad for the environment it's not sharing it's why have all of these vehicles that only hold one or two person when you can instead have a vehicle that holds you know 30 or 40 or whatever well i'm gonna guess that uh well she's not here to defend herself at this point but uh, this appears it's gonna hold at least four i mean just kind of looking at it here it's probably a multi-person uh vehicle it may indeed be used to pick up unrelated passengers it certainly would be more efficient than using an uh, an empty, mostly empty bus. Buses are t- incredibly wasteful as far as the amount of gasoline that they're burning to tote around usually no more than a handful of people at any given time. To me, it doesn't so. matter that they're, they're wasteful, and I, I don't particularly care about that because I'm not one of these environmentalists, but I've ridden, uh, the closest thing I've ridden on a bus was like, when when I fly out of town, I use this place called Park and Fly. Park and Fly. Mm-hmm. They got a shuttle. Yeah, I, and it's awkward riding on this shuttle with a handful of other people that I've never met before. It's not always awkward, but mm-hmm. it can be. It's it's not a pleasant experience to share a vehicle with strangers. I I would rather be by myself. And I realize this makes me a filthy capitalist swine or whatever in Sarah's worldview. But like, what is the point of living? If you have to be uncomfortable in order to maximize the 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 whatever it is that she wants to maximize, right? Like, what 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 do you get out of life if you have to be uncomfortable in order to get it? Well, I mean, you do have to generally step outside of your comfort zone in order to grow in life. That's true, but I'm not sure that you know riding a shuttle with strangers is doing anything <laughs> to 
cause one to grow. So you've never ridden a city bus before? I don't think so. You didn't have it in uh, I, Mississippi? I actually did in Memphis. I did ride a public, but I was we were on a field trip in, in school, and it was we were taking the city bus from one place to another. I don't remember the specifics now. But I want to yeah. go to the phones here. we got somebody on the line. Uh, caller, what is your name? You're on the air. How you doing, Ian? Hey. Kyle Walsh is my name. Kyle, you're on the air. Go ahead. I spoke to you a little while back about uh, my car getting stolen while I was making a public corruption complaint at the FBI. Oh, yes. I do, uh, I do recall that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got worse now. Now I don't get my mail anymore. <laughs> okay. And where are you located these days? Weren't you in, like, Georgia or something like that? Yeah, I'm still currently in Roswell, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've asked some of my friends to write to me. I haven't gotten anything. I'm Checks that are supposed to come to me. I have a PO box I paid for it at the Roswell mm-hmm. Post Office. I haven't gotten that. I don't really know what's going on. I mean, when I first moved to New Hampshire, I ran into something experience is somebody similar where like I would not get mail ever, mm. and it, it was tremendously annoying, tremendously disruptive. I would go to the post office repeating, "My look, just." Take whatever mail is supposed to be delivered there because New Hampshire does this thing where they don't deliver based on the address. They deliver based on the names hmm. in, in theory. So you have to have huh. the name and the mailbox. And if your name isn't on there, then they won't leave the mail. I'm like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. If if it's to my address, just leave the mail there regardless of what name is on it. If it's addressed to my house, leave it. What? It's na- his name's well, going to be on it, right? Because he's on the actual mm-hmm. P.O. box where they certainly yeah, know what his name is. On the P.O. box, and it also has a, uh, a tag inside the P.O. box, the empty P.O. box, where mm-hmm. that says Kyle Walsh. And I've also forwarded all my old addresses. I checked on uh, Fast People Search. It's like an online lookup. And I checked <laughs> all my past addresses. And uh, my previous address, I could never get to come up on there, but now it comes up on there. But now, so just to clarify, when you say you forwarded, you mean you filled out p- uh, postal uh, service forms for mail forwarding? Twice. Twice. Yeah, I've never actually done that. Uh, I understand that that's what people do when they move, and I cannot testify as to whether or not it actually works. What I do is, if I if I'm moving somewhere, I just use it as an opportunity to clean house. As far as like, I don't need all this crap coming to me or whatever. I I will pay attention to the things that come in before moving like okay what are the bills that i need to move okay i'm going to move my credit card i'm going to move my you know bank account i'm going to move these things and then i just update them all manually i don't expect the postal service to do that for me and then anything else that doesn't you know i, I well I, I did do that I did that online yeah. and i did that also like with my license and uh, my passport and i haven't received any of it the mail forwarding i assume is a way of like if you miss one like I if you so, get yeah. a quarterly bill or whatever that you obviously didn't get because you, you know, had yeah, moved. Yeah, but then you're relying on the government to get right. it right, and it's like good luck with that. I've never done mail forwarding either. It's always yeah. look. I, I will contact them and tell them the new address, right. and they can send it to me there. And if they don't send it to me there, and it's a bill, then they just won't get paid, will they? Hey, uh, Kyle, it's probably just incompetence, kind of, you know, more so I'm, than any I'm, kind of plot against you. It's probably just the incompetence of the well, Postal I don't Service. I think it's that because it doesn't matter if I get a new phone or email or whatever. I feel like maybe there was a warrant issued that wasn't really a warrant and my biometric and facial recognition data was stolen and maybe linked my identity somehow. So I'm kind of screwed no matter what. Run that by me one more time. You think What, what do you think happened? Uh, I think someone probably had... Uh, warrant because someone said so, not not based off evidence, and then they stole my biometric data. So someone told you they had a warrant data. for you? No, they never told me that. Okay. Well, they said they had it, but they never showed it to me. This okay, was in 2006 but... for a small amount of marijuana arrest. 
So someone told you uh, they had a warrant for you back in 2006? Yep. Okay. And, and I don't think I ever I don't think I ever got out of this warrant. I, I think somehow it's like compartmentalized or decompartmentalized and it, it got sold to a private company and they could just have access to I don't think that's how warrants want. work. And you think 15 years think later or 17 oh, years later? Well, yeah, and I've been dealing with longer than that, but I mean that's when it started getting really bad and then like, you know, I just don't have an identity anymore. I'm like one of the men in black. That sounds like it could like have a benefit, right? Like if you don't have an identity anymore, that uh, I think a lot of people would actually want that. Yeah, man. Uh, they would love to be uh, sort of unplugged from the system. Everybody big changing your name to nobody. There you go. Thank you for the call tonight, Kyle. I appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Plus, you know, bills are mostly online these days anyway, so it's like, yeah. what's the big deal if you don't get if you ever got another piece of mail again, would it really be the worst thing in the world? For the, I get packages, mm-hmm. and th- those have to come physically, but everything sure. else can be can. It's more effective to be done by email, and the fact that the United States Postal Service isn't the inventor of email that that to me highlights everything that is wrong with government. If there was ever a governmental entity that was going to invent this perfect way or not perfect but this improved way of delivering communications from one person to another that is email it should have been the united states postal service it's right up the usps's alley man it's it's literally what they were designed to do but who invented it the private sector the usps would never have invented it not in a million years would the u.s postal service have invented email they don't invent things they just raise their rates when like this whole thing of delivering messages from party A to party B, that's the focal point of the USPS's existence. And yet they didn't, they've never conceived of even the slightest improvement. No, they don't even turn a profit. To the methodology of delivering a message from A to B. Uh, The government's tremendously inefficient and terrible at everything they attempt to do. And then you look at Amazon, which uh, is incredibly effective at doing what it does. Whether you agree with Jeff Bezos and whatever his personal beliefs are and the fact that he's tied in with the world elite, etc., etc., you can't deny that they've got some interesting things that they've done as far as uh, being a business is concerned. They've certainly changed a lot of people's lives by making so many different products available at the you know drop of a hat. I, I don't pay shipping anymore. I, mm. I, almost never do I pay shipping. And if it, if I do, it's because I bought it on a website that I don't really buy stuff up. But most of my stuff I Your order Prime online. Amazon it, yeah. Prime. Who is it? Right? Like once upon a time, I I didn't have a Prime membership, and I would subscribe to it once a year at Christmas time to get the free shipping or whatever. And then I would cancel the subscription afterward or after I'd done my ordering for the pre free shipping, but. I mean, you're paying shipping. It's just based into the cost of the Prime membership and yeah, the products in general, right? It's so cheap. What is Prime? Ten bucks a month or something? I think they increased it, didn't they? I don't know. But you also get Amazon Prime television and streaming, and that alone yeah. makes it worth it. It's to say it nothing of Amazon Music and Amazon Books. Maybe you'll get a free ride in the Zooks car that uh, they're coming out with, according to the story I'll use here. my own car. Uh, the permit is, uh, they got a permit from the Department of Motor Vehicles last week to do this. They're ter- are currently limited to shuttling Zook's employees on a one-mile public route. So they are on public roads between two office buildings, the company's headquarters in Foster City, California, at speeds of up to 35 miles an hour. The company hasn't said how big its test fleet is, but executives have said they have built dozens of these vehicles, although fewer than 100. 
Zooks said one of its vehicles completed a test run with employees on board over the weekend. Amazon had acquired the nine-year-old startup in 2020 and at the time shared few details about how it planned to use the company's technology. Up to 35 miles per hour is pretty slow. Well, that's the test speed. Maybe they sure. are capable of going faster. But, I mean, if you're gonna, if something's going to break, it's better if it breaks at 35 miles an oh, hour yeah. than 60, right? I'm not sure I would want to get on one of these things at all. But yeah, And I've ridden some pretty experimental vehicles. I had a mm-hmm. three-wheeled car at one point. Wow. What do and, they call those? Is there a name for them? A tricycle. Okay. I think was that, that was what we called it. I don't know if that's officially what it's called or not, but I mean, it was reliable. It did its thing, and it was a three-wheeled car. And mm-hmm. you know, my idea was that I could brand it, and I put, you know, put my computer company's name and phone number on the side, and it really? was so distinct that people would see it, and it would drive all those businesses. It never worked. No. I mean, people love seeing it, and they love taking pictures and putting me all over Facebook and Didn't stuff like that. Didn't get you like a new that, computer deal. No. New contract. It, it, it never got me a single customer, as far as I could tell. It just got me stared at. Zooks unveiled its custom-built electric robo-taxi in 2020 with an eye on offering on-demand autonomous transportation in urban settings. On a call with reporters, their executives declined to say when the company will launch a commercial robo-taxi service or open up testing beyond the limited route and employee participants. It will continue to test vehicle with employees and expects to launch a shuttle service for staffers this spring. I don't understand the drive for autonomous vehicles. Like... How expensive is the bus driver that it's cheaper and more effective to have an autonomous bus? Well, uh, people are expensive. I mean, the the highest cost for any business is the people, right? It's not the rent. It's not right. the taxes. It's the people. But in the case of buses, I mean, I just don't see the, inventing the artificial intelligence that can drive a bus and dealing with all the headaches and the legal hoops and the mistakes that will come about at least in the beginning of the lawsuits it seems to me like just you're gonna get lawsuits from people too you have employees are gonna you know you fire one of them they sue you over it there's some yo you didn't fire me for the right reason now i get to sue you and force you to pay me a million dollars plus give me my job back at a company i didn't want to work for in the first place we see these kind of things all the time and then the employees will strike on you and they'll form unions and it's just like who wants to deal with this crap not to mention the drama Right, like how many how many jobs have you worked at where there hasn't been interpersonal conflict between the employees? Right? Well, there wasn't any. That's what I mean. Zero. Yeah, exactly. There's it always, always some, happens. Somebody's having sex with somebody's boss or their girlfriend, or you know, there's something going. So, oh, that guy's stealing over there, and then you know, somebody's getting high in the back. I mean, there's always some stupid crap going on with uh, with people, and so you can understand why the costs are just the costs are much more. I guess what I'm saying is. When you have people working for you, the costs are higher than just the hourly pay, which mm. on its own, the hourly and the tax that you have to hold, withhold and all that compliance, all of that is the highest cost of running a business. But then it gets even higher when you're dealing with regulatory compliance and, oh, you can't hire a teenager because they're too young or, you know, oh, you've, you've violated the law in some way and now you've got lawsuits. Now you have to hire lawyers. And it's just like, okay, we just cut these people out of this picture and have some software run this this hardware and make money well then you can lower your rates right because if you've got if you're charging x as uber because you have to pay the driver something right then you can charge something lower than x if you've got just an automated vehicle and all you have to do is pay a human to change its oil back at the shop right then that lowers cost dramatically 
This is also why, like, advertisers are moving toward these artificial intelligence-created uh, deep fakes for mm-hmm. their advertising, for their influencers, because influencers can be problematic. You can find out, oh, this person tweeted this racist thing five right. years ago, or... Now you got to do damage control yeah. and apologize and, you know, give to charities or whatever, right, to try to make things seem like you're, you know, everything's okay. And the, your point is the AI doesn't have those uh, scandals. Right. They're already squeaky clean. And there, Although, there's no as, possibility. Uh, as we've seen with some of the AI, they actually don't turn out squeaky yeah. clean because they're taking in the internet as their inputs. And, and there's the Bing one that apparently gets mm. depressed or whatever. I've got an article about that that I guess I'll get into tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I did see some of the posts about Bing where it gets depressed or you can set it off in some way, shape, or form. It complained to somebody about being the Bing guy. Like, it didn't want to be Bing. I can't say that I blame it. I mean, Bing does not have a very good reputation. I don't understand why Microsoft keeps Bing alive, though. I guess they hope that it can somehow rise to the top someday. It's got a long way to go. Out of time. We'll put the Zooks story on our social media at social.freetalklive.com. Just follow the at FTL account. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.